Hey, boomers! You've tried everything, but we just keep on coming. It's Sonic the Comic the Podcast, the show that remembers a time before Shadow and Rouge, before we ever heard the name Eggman, when Sonic the Hedgehog was ours! And delivered to us via the fortnightly Sonic the Comic here in the UK. We're the humans who think we're in charge. I'm Dave Fulmer. My name is Chris McFeely, and we're here with issue number one, one, one of Sonic the Comic. <laughs> What's the Bilbo word for it? The 11th-1st episode. The 11th-1st episode. <laughs> released on August the 20th, the summer creeps to an end, Aww. with a cover date, a post-summer cover date of September the 2nd. Yeah. Soon be Christmas. Yeah, any day now. <laughs> Can you hear the croak of my voice, everybody? I've been socialising. Ignore it. That's not how you spell the fish sort of soul. Yes, I don't... <sighs> We're... <laughs> I this is becoming um, a frustratingly more common appearance as we try to divine what on God's earth these cover lines are talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, so the, the cover, cover illustration. The, it's an Elson. It's an Elson. Welcome site. Which is becoming a very standard site. It's about the story. Welcome site. Yep. Uh, Sonic spikes are drawn wrong. Not welcome site. But what can you do at this point? I'm not yeah. going to mention it again. Oh, yeah. Until yeah. next time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Until the next time I say I'm not. <laughs> anyway, it's Sonic holding up an ugly fishy. Big horrible fish. That's weird, isn't it? Why? Wonder why. Don't know. Wonder Can't why. tell. Hmm. Old heads know why, but uh, it, it, I was tempted to call this a spoiler, but it, it isn't really, because you look at it and you go, What's all that about then? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no way you can figure yeah. out what it is unless you know. And you'll find out as we go along if you don't. Yeah. But the, the cover tagline is Soul Prosecutor. Mm. S O U L Prosecutor. Which has to be a fish joke, but that's not how you spell the fish one. S O L E. And there is no second meaning. There's, there is nothing a about soul, soul prosecutor, is not no. something. It's, it's not a thing. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, maybe we're just. Maybe we just don't know the phrase soul prosecutor. But I feel like that's not a thing. <laughs> no. Unless it's not a fish joke. And the joke is in the uh-huh. prosecutor part. Uh-huh. But I can't, that can't bend my brain that way. It must be a fit. You've got a you. Fish, would, a if soul you've got joke. If your drawing is of Sonic the Hedgehog holding up a big fish, and you're not doing a fish joke in the surrounding text, what are you doing? So it must be. It must be a fish well, that joke. That is the Especially question as. that surrounds this whole cover. As, what are you doing? Especially as underneath it, it says, "Does Sonic meet a slippery end?" In the evil empire. Slippery like a fish. Like a fish. Like a fish's slip. But we've also got three new stories, which are much more straightforward to divine. Mm-hmm. Sonic's world, spaced out. Can't fully remember in this moment what that applies to, but I'm sure it does. These are the titles of the stories. Oh, what? Aha. Well, there we go. <laughs> yes. There we go. Tales, Hero of the Beach. Yeah, sure enough. Title of the story. And Decap Attack, Maltese Budgies. And then Cut a Dash with... The return of the... It's back, baby! The Spanning Pinal! Slicer, cut a dash. We've had a discussion about that phrase on this podcast before. They've used it before at some point. Yes. And we were like, what the heck does that mean? Fairly recently, even, I think. You know, I will not make that claim <laughs> because. You know, sometime within the last four years. Fairly exactly, recently. Yeah, fairly recently. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because it's a slicer. Bad Nick pinup, hence cut. Yes, they're the mantises with the scyther arms. Exactly. There you go. Biggity bing, biggity bing, bing, bango. 
exclusively printed on 100% recycled paper is the big mm. top banner of the cover as yeah. well. Show offs. La dee da. <laughs> Control zone. Megadroid literally says not a word that isn't just a description of content yep. you're about to experience. There is there is nothing to read here. Nope. Sorry, not a thing. sorry, listeners. Make yourself a sandwich or something. Just put a kettle on. Just entertain yourselves. We'll just leave some silence here, and you can imagine some entertainment. Yep. We're, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, we're not reading it out because it's nothing. We have to. No, we, we, there we, is we, nothing. I feel like we've fallen into the trap. Yeah. You know, I've been listening to some early episodes. Do you know, Dave? Yeah. We didn't even used to necessarily read out all the letters on speed no, lines I know. in the earliest episodes. I've also been listening to those, and I've been thinking about that quite heavily. Yeah, we did. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, I can't decide if that was a better policy or a worse policy, because it's leaving... There's stuff not covered, but also, why are we covering it? <laughs> well, it does feel weird not to read out the letters. Yeah, doesn't it? At this point, four years in, whenever they only print three of them. Feels a little weird mm. not to. But yeah. we don't have to read out Megadroid's welcome screen because he just describes what's in the comic and that's what the next two hours are for. Exactly. And there's a strong argument for also skipping over the bottom half. Coming to a shop near you, STC's Fruitful Issue 112, this spends two lengthy paragraphs telling us that next issue has Sonic and Tails in it and making that out to be by popular request. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, I quite like this one, though, okay. because, he, uh, well, here's what it says. I'll read it out. Sorry, folks, it's time to read some stuff out. <laughs> read copy. I make no apologies for saying this again. Even he acknowledges the repetitious nature of it. I make no apologies for saying this again. Thank you. I like me. that you read that bit twice. <laughs> they can't see that face chris i know it's for you that's that's for <laughs> and i loved it if only the readers could have seen what i just saw like that hacksaw jim duggan reference that that was for them a few issues yeah. ago that there you go so you. we're even <laughs> thank you from the bottom of my circuit box to the many many boomers who take the time and effort to write to stc your views are vital to the comic even if the humans around here are unfortunately unable to send personal replies spelled wrong unfortunately spelled wrong <laughs> r-e-p-l-y-s uh, do you want us to have a social life don't answer that <laughs> however proving that sdc does take note your most requested characters in the sonic and sega universe are due to line up in just a fortnight there'll be an extra sonic story backed up by everyone's favorite flying fox miles prior that's tales to you now i read that yeah as saying that there's going to be a double sonic next yeah. issue otherwise they wouldn't flag it up as such uh, yeah and that it will be a story in which Sonic and Tails both star together. Oh. Not that there is necessarily a double Sonic and then also a Tails strip. Oh, that's what I thought it was. Right. And, you, and well, but I don't know. Could be either. And that well, didn't surprise me because there's a Tails strip in this one. So I was yeah. like, why are we advertising that? Also, why are we advertising it? With a big picture of Sonic in a cloud of bananas. Hence <laughs> the fruitful description <laughs> yes. that he was given. Yes, there we go. So we'll find out why he's in a cloud of bananas. Presumably a monkey's chucking them. I would like to make a, a prediction. Got him. Lou Stringer is going to write this one. Right. <laughs> There's just, just something the about Sonic being in a hail of bananas that says Lou Stringer to me. Sonic. The 
Evil Empire, Part 4, written by Nigel Kitching, art by Richard Elson, and letters by Tom Frame. Tails comes to Sonic's rescue, raising the door to the arena so the hedgehog can escape, then dropping it on top of the pursuing Metallics, crushing him. When a Dracon Prosecutor approaches, Sonic is quick to attack, smashing its armor and revealing that the Dracons are, in fact, small fish creatures within robotic humanoid bodies. But it turns out the Prosecutor wasn't even attacking. Despite Robotnik's protestations, even though he had help, the Dracon Emperor is satisfied that Sonic has won his trial by combat, and the heroes are allowed to return to Mobius. But Sonic and the Dracons definitely haven't seen the last of each other. Yeah, it's true, listeners. The Dracons are a fish in a suit. The fishy boys. Little reverse crangs. Yeah, yeah, it's just the bit inside. Well, it's not reverse crangs. Well, no, they're just spatially reversed crangs. Yeah, upside down crangs. <laughs> yeah, upside down crangs. That's what I wanted to go for. Misaligned yes. crangs. They're, yeah, yes. it's just the bit you can see of their face in their helmet. That's the only bit of them there is, because of the tail behind that, they're a fish. Yeah. They're an ugly, horrible fish. And why are they fish? Because they lived in, in the, the aquatic, aquatic ruin, ruin zone. zone. It's clever, isn't it? It is! It's honestly really cool. Yeah, the idea, the thought that it turns out, no, it, it isn't an Atlantis that's sunk yeah. into the sea. They built it there! Yeah, it was meant to be in the sea. Because they can live there, yeah. it's fine! It's good! Yeah. That's it's good! Stuff. What I will say is, I'm not sure if it has any meaning beyond that. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not sure if it ever is explored anymore in any capacity. Oh. You know, the idea that they're little fishies. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Or, or it could just be a neat idea. Because mm, it is a neat idea. You know, it's, it's the sort of... I can't make a direct comparison the way I did to Torgo and his big weird stick uh, in last issue, but it, it feels like a very, like, Silver Agey, Marvel-y, Jack Kirby weird idea for an alien race last yeah. page reveal. Oh, well, it turned out all mm, along yeah. that the inhabitants of Planet X were only this high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's know. the sort of thing. And I, I mean, and I guess if we're linking it to Krang and the, the, the Utrons, that goes back to War of the Worlds, doesn't it? Where they're a brain in a in a machine. And um, so, yeah, the idea that the alien turns out to be a little thing in a suit all along is... Uh, that's, uh, we've always liked Were the that. aliens in War of the Worlds brains in suits? Yeah, the reason they have tripods to walk around in is because they're just a little wibbly lump. Oh, well, well, that's not the same thing, is it? I mean, they're war machines, aren't they? You know, they're not just there every day getting around cutting down to the corner shot bodies like the Dracons have. <laughs> no, but it does describe them as being made entirely of brain matter. So they are... They're a brain and they have to... They'll have a little one. And I think... That that is why Krang in the TV series had a little tripod that he sat on. I think that was a, that was about that. Uh, um, but I don't know. That's he just had a little stool, didn't he, in series one? I mean, that, I mean, the thing was like, do you remember when you first learned about the Utrons? <laughs> yeah, that was a weird day because that was not a thing. No. <laughs> what in the eighties cartoon? What? I, for me, I, I don't know about you, but for me, it was the two thousands cartoon. I feel like I just nipped in. I feel like I'd been doing some reading around the subject, but probably because that cartoon was on. Yes, well, that's well, that's what happened. Yes, I didn't get to the actual reveal at mm. the end of the Utrons. I guess maybe just my interest in turtles had been slightly mm. revitalized by that. I happened to do some reading online and yeah. have it turn out that this is what the Utrams were, yeah. and then personally make the connection and go, oh, that's what Krang was an adaptation yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, I don't know if David Wise has ever said out loud, yes, I based Krang on the weird brain tummy oh, really? from oh. the, the comic, you know. Well, I, I mean, mean it clearly is a tummy did, alien, is it? Yeah. Obviously, yes. But it's uh, a yeah. <laughs> tummy alien. <laughs> tummy alien. It's a brain that lives in a tummy. Have you yeah. seen that big turtles book you can get now? 
Which one? They've they've like reprinted all of the old comics in a big <laughs> hardback. It's like a hundred pounds. I've got to get it. When you say the old comics, what do you mean? Well, you know, what I I don't know because I haven't read the actual original old comics, so I don't know where it gets to. We'll get back to Sonic in a minute. I'm looking this up. <laughs> Twenty minutes later. As I was saying, so the art across this Sonic strip is, I think, really good, notwithstanding mm, the mm. Uh, external problem. Um, oh, Dave, I mean, the wordless noise of orgasm that I made <laughs> when I turned the first page. Mine, I wrote mine down. I wrote mine down phonetically. It was, warrior! <laughs> <laughs> mine was more a sort of a... <laughs> <laughs> yes, because the first so the first page is normal. It's um it's yeah. a setup of Tails reminding us that Tails is outside the arena of judgment. He can see the the fight going on on the screen. I mean, this is where we were at the, in the last issue. Yeah, yeah. He's got his little robe on, yeah. his little Jedi robes and Ben Kenobi gear. Yep, yeah. and um, Tails just skippity dees into the arena of judgment. <laughs> Elson dancing his little heart. <laughs> He just, the doors open and he just waltzes in there, happy as Larry, and he starts pulling out his lightsaber. Well, he's, yeah, he sees a sentinel guarding the main entrance. <laughs> Those characters are really tough, but I've got to do something. Something needs my help. And he reaches into his robe and he pulls out what looks like, well, you you say a lightsaber or whatever. Yeah, it looks kind of like a length of pipe or yeah, something. Yeah, something that's like, getting out well, of his robe. What could that be, we wonder to ourselves? Yeah. We'll find out in a minute. Yeah. We'll find out in a minute. Because there's this, there's a sort of, the, the motion, the, the unsheathing yeah. action implies, you know, like a bladed weapon yeah. or something. But yeah. you're like, well, you know, it's, it's not going to be that. No. So, so the, but uh, it's, <laughs> we'll come uh, the, back to it. C- coupled with the robe, you are going like, well, yeah. if this isn't a lightsaber, I'm going to have to be told what it is. So you turn the page to find out and... <laughs> it is possibly the largest Sonic that's ever been drawn yeah. in Sonic the comic. Yeah, I think so. It's the, I don't know how to explain this. But this is somehow the largest two-page spread. <laughs> oh, I can explain why it's the largest two-page spread. Why? There's no panel gutter. There's no border. The art goes out to the very edge of the page. Has that not been done before in a two-page spread? Not that I can think of, no. Why would they put a border around a two-page spread? Because it's a pretty normal thing to do. Is it? Oh, right, yeah. Well, well, fair enough. But anyway, yes, it is a two-page borderless spread. It's a poster. It's a double-page poster, and also just the perspective of it. Oh, yeah. Sonic is gigantic, and he is being punched into us, into the camera, by a Knuckles Metallic. (laughs) Sonic is so large that he spans across the two pages of the double-page spread. Yeah, like his head is at least a third of the page. You could crush it in your head like an apple. (laughs) And then then the the perspective does the rest, because over there in the distance, you can see uh, around the edge of the arena, of course, is the Emperor and Robotnik and those guards and so on. And then the pillars stretching over. The the perspective work is done here to make this look bigger, even bigger than it even is. And it's just amazing. This is well cool. We both made... (laughs) It's the kind of picture that makes you make a noise. Yeah, you've got to do a noise. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I love the little cables in the corner. Just like this is also a futuristic place. Remember, it's not all just yep, pillars. Just smashing the walls in, and there are wires in the walls. Yep, whatever. And here's a noise we haven't made in a while. <laughs> 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 
did watch. And on the next two pages, there's loads of blue eyelids. This is a blue eyelid issue. Is this the law or no? It must be. Well, if from now on, right, eyelid watch is back on. It is back on. Because if from now on he's got blue eyelids, that throws out the window the theory that it was Sonic Adventure that canonized blue eyelids. We have not had that yet. Not, and I don't just mean NSTC. It's not out yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's going on? Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't even notice. Yeah. And that's... I didn't notice because they're drawing them wrong now, so it just washes over <laughs> it's me. It's just part of the new design. Well, there you go. At it's least... So a... they came in with a new design anyway. Mm, that's it. I never even noticed. So anyway, yeah, the Emperor's in the audience poking his stick down into the <laughs> arena. Jabbing it. Yeah, yeah. You've conducted your defense well, he says, but now you must accept your guilt. So like, dream on. But in his head, he's thinking... Could this be the end? And then over to the side, the big metal gate starts rising mm. up and Tails shouts through, you know, what makes you think I need your help, Pixel Brain? I was doing just fine by myself. Uh, STC Sonic. And Tails says, Sonic, we don't have, have time, time for, for this. this. Yeah. <laughs> what I wrote down here was, Sonic, hey, Pixel Brain. Tails, no, shut up. <laughs> no, not now. <laughs> It's the on-panel contrast between us actually being shown Sonic's inner thoughts yeah. and how they actively contradict yeah. his outer monologue that rams home that that's yeah. the point. Yeah. And it's not just, what a dickhead, yeah. you know? And he said, I'm feeling better. I'm feeling feeling okay now. I better take care of my time. Like, you can barely stand. Yeah. And then he just boops the, uh, I'm sorry, he tacks the <laughs> button on the gate and it well, what he does is he jolly well closes the door. He jolly well <laughs> closes that door. <laughs> this is um, Ooh, Tails has found a method that works exactly. and he's sticking to it. Long time <laughs> listeners will remember that in what? Tails is uh, must have been second or third strip that Ooh, he had. His first adventure with the flock. Yeah. So that was that was after a couple of nameless. With a couple stories, of yeah, yeah. But, yeah. He was nuts and bolt was coming at him through a door and Tails. Jolly well closed the door. There was a bit of a thing where he's like, Jolly well closed the door. Jolly well closing door. You know, he had a little computer. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it took his heat off. It, it took his heat off. And that's what's happened here. The exact same thing. Metal Knuckles lurches through the door to get Sonic. Because Sonic has now followed Tails out. He's wandering around, clutching his head, having a concussion. <laughs> it seems to sever Metal Knuckles basically at, at the legs. Yeah. But uh, I talk about Tails finding a method that works. Uh-huh. Because, uh, you know, then we the camera pans over, as it were, to the sentinel <laughs> that was guarding it on the first page. And Sonic looks at it and goes, did, did you take out that sentinel? Did you do that? Sure, I'm a lot tougher than some people think. <laughs> really, Ramigo. And we see that Tails enshivved the sentinel. <laughs> it wasn't some cool weapon or, or there was no trick to it. It was a length of pipe and he stabbed that mother <laughs> with the pipe. Right through the intestines of the sentinel, yeah. Which, you know, we're about to find out those aren't guts and that it's a robot. Tails don't know that yet. <laughs> well, we were talking about this before, weren't we? Are, we? are the Sentinels yeah. ah. robots? Ah. Because obviously the Sentinel we met before, the supersized one back in the Sentinel, was a stone robot. And these are specifically stressed. These guards are... There's a difference between Sentinels and Prosecutors. And once again, these guys are only ever drawn in solid colour. Uh, it's purple on the first page and brown on this page. Armadillos! But again, they're always set in the foreground, so it's hard to tell if the block colouring is literal or just for yeah, yeah, the yeah, sake of art. Yeah. But the implicate that that's my read of it is that it's just a robot. If they yeah, if they can build robot bodies, they can put a robot head in there, no problem. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like it'd be complaining. 
if it was if it was oh yeah just the fact that is that it's body yeah, yeah. Had been disabled he wouldn't just be lying there on the floor he'd be going oh i've got to get a new one of these now for god's sake yeah. oh i was just about to pay that off <laughs> now you realize of course i'd have found a way to beat metallics even without your help you're the hero sonic everybody knows that <laughs> Tails giving a good account of himself for this issue. Yeah, I love the idea that just like if it wasn't for having to deal with Sonic, Tails could be just stone cold <laughs> destroying all these guys, shanking dudes. <laughs> and then, holy crap, Sonic! Not to be outdone, yeah, he blasts right through this prosecutor's entire heart and spine. Yep, <laughs> right through the body. I- I feel like there should be a line here where he's like, I didn't mean to yeah. go so hard yeah. or something like that, you know? Yeah. But I think there could be an element of not to be shown up, as it yeah. were, yes. But luckily for him, what that does is it causes a fish to come out. Yes, he, he ruptures the body and the big water tank that's held in the torso of these robot bodies ruptures and, uh, and the big fish comes out. Yes, that's nice, isn't it? Loads of water goes everywhere. I did like that. And it do- and there isn't water coming out of the sentinel that Tails has done. It's so mm-hmm. yeah. It's electrics, yeah. yeah. And you can see the uh, the wires yes. hooked up to the fish's temples, mm. which is how it like controls the body. He's some kind of weird fish. Yes, and he's surprisingly forthcoming. It just goes right. Uh, I'm going to use this panel to explain. <laughs> My race come from the sea. Using our superior intelligence, we have constructed these robot bodies to help us function on dry land. Fair enough. Okay, fair enough. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, now we know. Alright, need idea. At which point, Robotnik and some prosecutors turn up. Get him! Destroy Sonic the Hedgehog! Then the Emperor comes in and is like, Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> oh, I love this. Oh, Robotnik... What? Oh, what? His face completely falls. The accused won his trial by combat. The law is clear. Sonic the Hedgehog is innocent of all charges. Yeah, and Robotnik uh, kind of... Not to be on Robotnik's side. <laughs> no, I thought before Robotnik said it, Tails did um open the... D- it's like if somebody burst yeah. into the courtroom yeah. and, and held the jury at gunpoint. Yeah, a bit. It is. It's, it's, it's cheating. It's cheating. Yes. But, but he was helped. I demand a retrial. Do not question me, Robotnik. You forget who is the power here. And then the, so that's a really good drawing of Robotnik, first of all. That, that yes, one. he's... Furious. Yeah, there's something extra spiky about his head. But not furious in the way that Robotnik often is furious. Mm. Furious in like a very genuine yeah. sort of Wait, He's outraged. <laughs> yeah. And then the last picture of him, he's just brilliantly <laughs> gutted. He's clutching his head. He's bending over backwards in frustration. Head in hands. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a like bow legged, you know, he's almost falling to his knees. Oh flipping heck! <laughs> <laughs> I was this close. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, Sonic is allowed to return to Mobius. Don't forget, as long as you support Robotnik, you're my enemy. In other words, you haven't seen the last of this hedgehog. And then he canonically irises out (laughs) (laughs) as he goes through the big ring. Next issue, No Future, uh, which I'm sure will be a little downtime moment Ah. in between epics, Mm -hmm. but uh, very much not the end of what's going on with the Mm. Dracons, because Kitching even has that iron in the fire of the idea that the Dracons have a plan in motion that Robotnik, remember we set up last issue, that Robotnik has to do something when the time comes for the Dracons. So there's a Mm, a kernel in place for for that. I wasn't sure if it would pay off in this issue or not, and it did not, Mm. so... 
that's in the air. Do you know what it is? Because I don't. Not a bloody clue, Dave. <laughs> I think we talked about this last issue, but not knowing is tremendous. It is. It's just that it gives me the willies because now that we've had just released an episode where we're like, oh, I can't wait to find out where that goes. And then it was the last Captain Plunder. Mm, yes. Can't argue with you. <laughs> there is something to be said for the benefits of the first hundred issues of knowing, mm. <laughs> <laughs> broadly speaking, what was going to happen. As a reading experience, lots of fun to not know. Yeah. Uh, as a podcasting experience, <laughs> a source of more work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been a good four-parter. Honestly, I would have to say I think this four-parter... It's not unusual for this to be the case when it comes to Kitching and Elson joints at the top of the comic, but this four-parter has definitely been the highlight of anything the comic's been doing for the last little while now. Since 100, really, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, that's what I was going to say. This would be the highlight. If you if you fold Flicky's Island into it, take yeah. all seven parts together. And I do, because Flicky's Island is essentially just the intro to this. Yeah, it's chapter zero of, of this story. But then, of course, that's seven issues of 11. So that's quite a substantial yeah, chunk a good of, run, yeah. of issues. Of course, what I'm trying to say is that um, it's really the highlight of anything that the comic has had in it. There hasn't been much that has been extremely remarkable going on in the other three strips mm. in the post-100s just yet. And I'm grateful that Kitching and Nelson are still going strong up at the top of the uh, comics. And uh, yes, I'm, I am simply looking forward to seeing what happens with the Dracons next. I think yeah. they kind of drive like they're they're kind of like the thrust of the big arc of the comic for the next little bit yeah. until we move into the next uh change of status quo yeah that much we can say we know there is yes. more dracon empire to come lots more dracon yeah. stuff Tales. hero of the beach written by lou stringer art by andy pritchett colors by john m burns and letters by elita fell Tails is hanging out at the beach resort of Skegpool, <laughs> just down the coast from the chemical plant zone, when a swarm of caterpillars sent by Dr. Robotnik burrows up through the sand to attack the holidaymakers. Tails saves everyone, then pumps a load of chemical plant ooze back down the caterpillars' tunnel to slime Robotnik at the other end. Americans, we introduce you now to Skegness and Blackpool. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it occurs to me these may not have been mentioned on the show before. <laughs> yeah, We've they definitely not. mentioned Bogner Regis yeah. and other such funny yeah. place names. But I don't know if Skeg... No, Skegness has definitely come up because somebody hosted a, a village fete there once. Some celebrity yes, hosted a did, village didn't fete they? Skegness yes. once. <laughs> and we were like, oh no, <laughs> thought you were going to tell me he was on drugs or something. No, that's even worse, whoever it was. Blackpool is a popular tourist beach, essentially, town in uh, the UK. You go there. It's, it's synonymous with, you know, flashing coloured lights and fairground rides and things like that and yeah. candy floss and all of that. And Skegness, or Skeggy, as it was known local to me, is a, 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 an even cheaper version of that, basically. <laughs> when I say even cheaper, I feel like Blackpool is now quite expensive to get into, Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I think it's like Probably. 50 quid a head just to go. But Skeggy was, that was, a, that was where, in my area, I guess it was just the nearest beach. And so people would sometimes go there, and that's what they are. They're, they're famously low rents. No, didn't we say that before? And then someone complained, and I had to be like, no, they're actually nice. Isn't that what happened? Ring a bell, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they may well be nice. I'm referring only to the stereotype. Popular perception of them. Yes. Mm. 
I mean, the stereotypes are well on display in this issue. As yes. Well. Megadroid actually mentioned Skegpool in his welcome screen. Yes. And I thought, no. <laughs> I'm 100% sure that that word is going to be used in the strip. This is not Debritate having fun on the contents page. But I did wonder if it was going to be the Skegpool zone mm, or something. Mm, yeah. But it's not It's not even a zone. No. You did it wrong. It should have been a zone. Yeah, I suppose so. Although, well, I think what it is is that just reading the subtext of this, it's still the chemical plant zone. But I guess so, Skegpool yeah. Pleasure Resort has opened there. I think that's what's happening here. But yes, hopefully that well, maybe with designs of becoming the Skegpool Zone as they expand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the chemical plant zone is still being cleaned up. Yeah, this place is awash with chemicals. In the first, like the second panel, you see people getting into the sea, but with like hazmat suit things on. Protecto cosies. <laughs> yes, in the caption, which I had a good laugh at. Yeah, full skin tight green onesies mm. with gas masks over their heads, yeah. and then they're wearing swimming cosies on top of that. <laughs> so that's a good visual. Other images in this panel include a balding granddad who's the top of his head is sunburned, yeah. and he's wearing socks with his sandals. Yeah. <laughs> didn't notice that but you're right yeah <laughs> kid with a bucket and spade there and a big floppy hat to protect their little head from, from the, the sun. sun yeah bloke in there in his waders fishing for whelks or some such Something probably like yeah it, well you know it's whelks because he's got a little northern flat cap on <laughs> of course of course <laughs> wait is that what they want in the north whelks <laughs> what do they want there it'd be It'd be eels if it was London, wouldn't it? But yes, of course, it was uh, Stringer that previously established the chemical plant zone had been shut down, and in the uh, talking vegetables. I feel story. like he's constantly going on about yeah. the chemical plant zone, but he's right to because again, what he's doing is this story's relevant again now as the Tories dump sewage into the swimming water and Ugh. stuff like that. Like it's pollution of. He's he's writing about Tories, Lou, half the time. <laughs> he is. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> and so the, uh, I think it's supposed to be Sludge that is pictured crawling up the yeah. the legs of the pier. What are they called? The, the legs. That'll do. Yeah. But what of wonderful tails, Pritchard draws. <laughs> Look at him. What an adorable little tails yeah. he draws. Yeah. He looks so nice. Because it's Pritchard's work on so much of the rest of this, you'd be forgiven for thinking it was Corona. Yes. The Mobians here uh, are really look like Corona Mobians. Is this the guy we mistook for Corona initially? I can't remember at this point. Mm, I think it was, though. Quite possibly. Look at Dales there with a 99 in hand. Yes! Do you have those in America, everybody? You know, I want to say Mr. Whippy, but I don't know if you have that. (laughs) Soft ice cream. When when you put a chocolate flake in a soft serve ice cream. Cone, yeah. The ultimate beach ice cream. But then they wouldn't, I don't know. No, I don't know, you know. No. They don't really have flakes, do they? I I, I don't know. Do they? Oh, God. I don't... What tragic existence. Do they have ice cream in America? <laughs> they, I think so. Is it, they have soft serve. Do they, what do they do? Do they serve it on a plate? What do they do with it? Do they just put it on a cone normally, like? <laughs> oh, Chris, I had a lovely ice cream in a cone on my holiday this year. Oh! It, Tell me more, Dave. Oh, first off, now some listeners might find this controversial... I didn't go for the standard cone of the sort depicted here. I went for the posh sort that's like hard and like a curled round. Sure. Uh, uh, a cornet. Uh, uh, a waffle cone. Yes, yeah. a waffle cone. And it had three big scoops of ice. Not soft served. And there was... Oh, there was yeah. Properly scooped out of the things in the thing, yeah. Yeah. No, it was two scoops, but one of them was made up of multiple flavors. You scaled it back. One of the scoops was all of the following flavors. Peanut butter... Banoffee flavor. That is three That's flavors. Three things. Peanut butter. Three flavors, Dave. Bun. 
and offy. <laughs> Three things. <laughs> and then the last one. Four, really. Peanut. Butter. Butter. <laughs> Banana. <laughs> and toffee. <laughs> and then the other scoop was flipping Biscoff, of course it was. Of course. So, so you've got a smorgasbord. I can't remember if I had a flake, but I'm, I was going to say I bet I did, but I don't think I did. A little harder to have a flake just rammed into hard scoops. Yeah, but... You're willing to go for But it. I feel like if you had scoop one, then balance a flake, then scoop two, that yeah, holds okay. it in. Uh, <laughs> oh, I could go for one of these. Anyway. anyway, with all of that set up out of the way, uh, we meet uh, a big muscle-bound idiot. Yes. Of the Lou Stringer type. Daz Dynamo. Hey, don't call Lou Stringer a muscle-bound idiot. <laughs> I, you know I <laughs> Daz Dynamo, his name is, and he's yeah. like, hey, girls, forget about that wimp tails. Check me out. No, it's, <laughs> it's, it's called Hero of the Beach, so there's, there's yeah. a lot of Charles Atlas energy yeah. here, you know. And then uh, the girls are like, yeah, no, Tails has beaten a lot of bad nicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I can do push-ups using just my little finger. Yeah, why though? <laughs> yeah, he says, sure, but can he do 40 push-ups on his little finger? And the girl goes, maybe he doesn't need to. <laughs> it's such a good line. Why me? <laughs> and then we immediately cut to, shortly... Tails tying a bandage around his little <laughs> finger, going, Good job I know first aid. How'd you hurt your finger again? Uh, wrestling a shark. <laughs> <laughs> you think the story now is great, because you've had this yeah. Hero of the Beach title, and then you've had this Charles Atlas setup of some muscle bone dickhead, you think that's what the story's going to be about. Mm. And then, no, we cut away to Flicky's Island, where mm. Primer's come up with a plan to have caterpillars burrow under the sea and attack Skegpool from below. And then they do that. Is that. Is, is Grimer giving Robotnik's whole tummy a big cuddle at the start of the next page? <laughs> I don't think so, but it does look <laughs> like it, doesn't it? I owe it all to your inspiration, <laughs> sir. It, it does! Enough of your crawling, Grimer! <laughs> it looks like he's cuddled up against him and he's stroking his I chest. I didn't read it that way, but now it's the only way I can look at it. Resting his head gently to hear his eggy heartbeat. Oh, Well, there you are. I mean, that's all he wants, isn't it? And a little bit of cake. <laughs> Uh, yeah, then they <laughs> Tails fights the Badniks. One of them looms over Daz, but Tails saves him. Mm-hmm. One of the Caterkillers bites onto Tails' leg, but he simply... This is a nice little bit. Yeah, yeah. He flies up with it still biting on his leg and, and drags it with him, and then swings it round to clatter the one that's threatening Daz. And when he clatters them together, he goes, Wicked! Thus solidifying the Tails' voice once again. Just like playing conkers. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they put a, a hose full of toxic waste from the chemical plant zone mm. into the tunnel and um, poison Robotnik to death with it. I did like the bit, yes, just before that, where Grimer goes like, oh, no, it's oh, the, all three caterpillars have been destroyed. And you go like, why'd you only send three? And Robotnik goes, well, why'd you only send three? Don't worry about it. <laughs> we can send plenty more. It's fine, we'll send loads. <laughs> yeah. And then... <laughs> close the tunnel, close it! <laughs> I hope you won't hold... <laughs> This failure against me, master. And then in the little caption box, there's an asterisk on hold. Worst pun in the history of comics. And it just might be. It might It might actually be. Because it's barely a pun. No, there's a hole. And it says hole. Duh. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a bit, yeah. yeah. But I'm glad they flagged it up. That If they hadn't, we'd be kicking some doors yes. down. 
as we speak. Yeah, saves it. <laughs> and uh, so Daz and Tails put this pipe in the hole and says, Oh, you're an okay dude, Tails. Thanks, Daz. Though I'll bet Robotnik's not gushing with praise for me right about now. Gushing in the way that liquid gushes. It gushes. It's gushed all over him. And then like a liquid's gush. And then it, there's a picture of him covered in gush. Yeah. There's not much to this one, huh? This is this is a, this is this is a story for babies. Well, it is, isn't it? It's yes. This is the sort of story that we used to only get in things adjacent to STC, like summer specials yes. and annuals and things. And we used to complain about them. But the thing is, at least Lou writes them well. Yes, this is something he can do. Whereas we've had some in the distant past where we're like, "This is bad. This isn't bad." It's just a story for babies. There's some funny jokes in yeah. it, but it is it is a story for for little children. Mm. And that you know, it, it was reading this. I think that kind of crystallized it for me. I've been going on about the death of a thousand cups mm-hmm. for a while now, you know. But I realised that it's not just that we've lost all the news and reviews and the other features and everything. Is that simultaneous with that? Outside of what Kitching and Elson are doing on the main Sonic strip, the whole back end of the comic has. The age group that it's targeted yeah. at feels like... Because, as I said, listening to some earlier episodes right now and remembering the days of Shinobi and yeah. Streets of Rage and Kid Chameleon and Golden Axe and Echo the Dolphin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, the age bracket that this is all targeted at is one rung yes. minimum lower than what STC used to be targeted at. Yeah. There is a difference in change to the tone of the comic. I'm going to be harsh. I'll say a harsh word here, but you'll know what I mean. You wouldn't have wasted five pages on a story of Tails saving the beach from some caterkillers in an issue of STC before issue, I don't know, 70? Mm. Because there was too much good stuff to put in it otherwise. Yeah, if this had been the tone of STC... From the jump. Well, I won't say that because at the beginning... No, because some of the Sonic stories were comparable. They hadn't figured out what their tone was at the very beginning. Yeah. But once that solidified, if this had been the tone then, we wouldn't be making this podcast. Yeah, I think you're right. And that that feels like a very harsh read of a story that's absolutely harmless. No, there's it, nothing wrong with the actual strip. Yeah. It's that's not the problem. It's just that yes, this is the shifting of a target audience and I do remember at the time being I'm not now, but I remember at the time being disappointed in that because of course yeah. I was getting so old. Yes. And <laughs> and I had started reading this when I was the age where that kind of strip would have been fine and targeted more at me. But it was actually the reason I was so into STC was that it was targeted just that inch above my head mm-hmm. and um that felt great that felt really cool it's not even a case where the comic you weren't wanting the comic necessarily to grow up no with you or anything God, no. Like that. i probably was at the time but i don't want that to have happened Maybe. now <laughs> but it's not even a case where it didn't do yeah. that but where it actively did do the opposite yeah that's it and a tail strip like this just reminds mm-hmm. me of that Decap sits outside. We'll come to Decap. That's, that's it. That's the thing. The, the comics got plenty for us. But I do recall being a grouchy little teenager on the internet complaining about the babyfication of certain bits of the comic. <laughs> and I don't think that's an inherently wrong attitude to have. Uh, it's a bit up yourself. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I sit here and I read this and I wonder what I'm doing sometimes, you know? <laughs> you, can't, you can't review this, can you? No, not really. Save to say what we're saying about it and how it's representative of a demographic shift. Well, and that's it. And yes, and from that perspective, you can. I mean, we can look at a comic for children and go, there you go, that's a nice comic for that's children. That's a well-made, well good comic yeah. for children. Yes, you know, we're, we're men of the world. Mm. We are, we're not... Uh... Yes, I can't even give a straight face after saying that. <laughs> but I mean, I'm writing comics for children right now. And yeah, yeah. Uh, 
we're not up ourselves in that regard. We can enjoy a well-made comic for children. Yeah, more now than I could have done in 1997, in fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, there's not much to say about this. Tell us about it. All right. You know Slicer, the badnik? I do know Slicer, the badnik from the Metropolis Zone in Sonic 2. That wanker. That arsehole. Trying to get, and he throws his blades at you and he do a big loop. And looks quite a bit like Scyther from Pokemon. I suppose they both have in common because they are both based on mantises. mantises. Yeah. It's a, it, you know what you know what this is. It's Ferrans drawn one of them, and it's been yep. replicated three times on the page. This time, one main one filling the page, which frankly that would have been fine by itself. That would have been a poster of this slice of badnik already. Uh, I mean, they gotta try. Yeah, and so what they've done is they've. Then reduced it down to give him essential as like a sort of shoulder demon and shoulder angel, but they're both just the same drawing <laughs> of him. Um, well, it is a bit weird that they're the same size as each other. You know, normally they'll try and make some kind of a pattern yeah. or something, but it's just like ah, here's here he is again a couple of times. Um, yeah, that's probably it then. That's what it is. Like, that's yeah. what it is. Oh, but just before we uh, move on to decap attack, yeah. Dave. It's that time again. Is this the final? Dave. It's the final shit. Time to Whoa. say goodbye. <laughs> to the Badnik. Badniks. Badniks. Badnik. <laughs> I crunched the numbers on these bad boys, Dave, now that they're all over. Uh-huh. The first one of these appeared in issue number 64, Whoa. 48 issues ago, just shy of two years ago. These wow. wow, two years, and two years of us saying, I wonder how many more of these there'll be, because I heard that episode not long ago. <laughs> They started with the Halloween-themed Bat Brain one in yeah. issue 64. Yeah, because they were themed at first. saw their in. Yeah. Well, the, the first one was, cause, but then next it was a Coconuts, and then it was a Jaws. Okay. And then it was an Asteron that they and were that able was a to Christmas make a one, Christmas yeah. out of. Then it was a Spiker, and they were able to do the New Year that party they made a party, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But since then, no. Yeah. <laughs> no been... theme at all. Wow. 48 issues, <laughs> uh, 24 of which included Bad Nick pinups. Feels like it was more than that. Like a higher percentage of those. Issues. That's it, because there were long runs of them. Yeah. But there was also a 10 issue run <laughs> where we didn't have one. 76 to 86, no bad Nick pinups. It was just 10 posters of Elliot from Knights. Some of those, <laughs> but also they started putting the graphic zone in the center. Yeah, oh, right, of course. So there was a 10 issue break without any of them mm. at all, and then the rest of them have been scattered around a bit. So 48 issues, 24 pinups, one every two issues, essentially. 14 bad Nicks. 14! <laughs> all the bad Nicks from Sonic 1, except that little bomb bastard. <laughs> from the Starlight Zone, who you didn't ever really think of as a real badnik anyway, because there was no animal inside it. 14 from Sonic 1, leaving 10 from Sonic 2. But many badniks from Sonic 2 never getting the chance to have pinups. Oh, I'm surprised. Yes, yeah, you wouldn't have thought so they went on so long. I even got... I, Dave, yeah. I even made a little list here. Oh, oh you do like a list. From the wing, I do like a list. <laughs> the Clucker from the Wing Fortress Zone, the Turtleoid and the Nebula and the Valkyrie from the Sky Chase Zone, the Wisp and the Grounder from the Aquatic Ruin Zone. We don't want a 
around. Some of these are iconic. I know. Oh. The Rexon from the Hilltop Zone. The Masher from the Emerald. It's from the Emerald Hill Zone, isn't it? It's the version of the Piranha. Oh. Is that called Masher? Mm. It is called Masher. The Octonaut from the Oil Ocean Zone. And the Spiny from the Chemical Plant Zone. Mm. All the ones that never got pinups. I'm really surprised. It feels like we've been going on for so long. But also, why would you stop if you had these drawings in the bag? Well, that's it. I bet they didn't. I bet um. they simply didn't. There were 12 Badnik Spotter cards released. Because we've concluded that this was artwork created for the Badnik Spotter cards. Which were free gifts with issue 41 and 42. The two bumper-sized Christmas issues. And they made it sound like they were going to do more. But they never did. But there were 12 of those... So now we know there are 24 posters, which means there was another set of 12 pieces of art made yeah. for a second set of Badnik Spotter cards that never happened. And then they told them, no, stop it. <laughs> and that's why, obviously, they didn't do the rest of them. Because they could, because there are 11 Badniks from Sonic 2 that didn't get pinups. So, I don't know, if they made a piece of art for that little bomb bastard. Roll, roll, that's 12. You could have got a third series of yeah. cards out of Sonic 1 and Sonic 2. But yes, I would wager that is why so many did not get pinups because he did another 12 pieces of art for a second series of spotter cards that never happened and they stopped it there. The question is, why would that not happen? Who would have objected to more of them? Well, anyway, yeah, that's it for Badnik pinups. Well, I flipping Two never did. Two years of these buggers. We never never thought the day would come. I, I never thought the day would come. But I, yeah, it's weird that there. It's been five issues since the last one of these was printed, and it does kind of feel like they found this one down the back of the cabinet, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, we oh, we've got one more piece of art here. Bang it out. That is the weirdest thing about this being. As soon as you said it's that time again, I resisted because I was like, well, it can't be. We've just had this one. Yeah, there's one. Wouldn't you do a little run of three or four of them and then... Exactly. <laughs> The Maltese Budgies, written by Nigel Kitching and Richard Rayner, art by Nigel Kitching and letters by Ellie DeVille. After stealing four priceless pet birds, the Maltese Budgies, a trio of crooks breaks into Castle Frankenstein to hole up until the heat dies down. But they don't expect our madcap decappers, who use a growth formula invented by the prof, to turn the Budgies into mutant teenage ninjas who promptly duff the crims up. <laughs> And uh, we have here a quote from me when I got to the end of this one, <laughs> who says, Oh! <laughs> Is that what that was? Because <laughs> you go into this, you're like, okay, Maltese budgies. Now, I haven't seen yeah. the Maltese Falcon. I haven't no. seen it. But I know that it's like an old noir, and the Maltese Falcon is the uh, MacGuffin, isn't it? Yes. So here are some gangsters. I bet that's what Maltese Falcon is like. I bet there's gangsters. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh! And as you go through the strip, you're like, okay, wait a minute. So there's four of these. They've got, and I confess, I should have figured it out when you see the names on the cages. Yeah, I should, and but I didn't. I didn't no, then it, I, it was. It wasn't until they smashed out of the kitchen <laughs> that I got it. But yeah, I was puzzled by this episode. This is two things, <laughs> yes, at happening least. at once. Yeah. That there is no crossover between. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how how this occurred to anybody to do this. It's almost three things. Uh huh. Because these gangsters are all this i mean so what well hang on got... i had the gangsters down as one of the things what 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 things did we already have well no the the other thing is looney tunes yeah yeah and and the other thing is halloween <laughs> uh, well that's four things then because it's decap attack <laughs> <laughs> four things, four things. <laughs> so the gangsters names are rocky moose and meek 
on Rocky and Moose are just Rocky and Muggsy from Bugs Bunny <laughs> cartoons. Except yeah. that Rocky has been drawn as Edward G. Robinson, the famous <laughs> actor who played a lot of gangsters. The one who goes, Meh, that guy. What? Someone actually used to do that? Yeah, that's Edward G. Robinson. Meh, see? Meh. Oh, that's that's wow. who this guy is. And then the third guy, Meat, is <laughs> Peter Laurie. Yeah, look at him. Friend, friend of the show, Peter Laurie. <laughs> big presence on the podcast already. Yeah, he does the voice of Grimer, doesn't he? Yeah, we got him in specially. And then this is just him, who was in The Maltese Falcon. Yeah. I was checking it out. When Rocky first appeared in Looney Tunes cartoons, for one cartoon, he was drawn as an Edward G. Robinson parody. Oh, was he? And his sidekick was a little Peter Laurie. Was he? Yes. Oh, so that'll that'll be Nigel's favourite particular episode of Looney Tunes then. I mean, but these are just Rocky. They're in Rocky and Muggsy's clothes. Yeah. Blue suit, grey hat, and Moose is literally just Muggsy. Okay, Rocky. Nigel Kitching here with the deep Peter Laurie <laughs> of <laughs> Looney Tunes. The cops are hot on our trail. We need to hide out in a hurry. It's going to have to do, they say as they look at the castle. But Rocky, look at the place. I bet it's full of mad professors, weird <laughs> two-headed monsters, and crazy green dwarves. Well, now you're just being silly. <laughs> Did he really go meh? It was he didn't literally go meh. Right. But it that was, was a, just it was the a, impression it was everyone the did of him. The sound of his yeah. voice. Right? Yeah, yeah. See? Yeah. I, I don't know him well enough to actually have a real comment on it. Look up some clips of him going meh. No, no. Type I'm it in watch... the YouTube. Gangster movie. Guy goes meh. I'm going to have to watch his whole over. I'm going to have to watch all of it. And find out what was the closest thing to meh he ever said. Because I bet it was, it always turns out to be part of an actual line where someone yeah, said, yeah, like, he'll have said, yeah. Or yeah. Something. Or, yeah. Yeah. See? Or someone will, yeah, see, yeah. It's or a someone little, will it's said, a little noise of affirmation or yeah. saying, yes. You know, it's, a, it's the way of saying, you understand, right? You get it, see? And it's like, mm. yeah, again. Yeah. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> the way you shrugged went, meh. <laughs> you know, like, meh. <laughs> Anyway. So the professor's made giant vegetables. That's happening. I guess that's oh, a yeah, fifth that's thing. happening that's as well. kind of a fifth thing that's also going yeah, there's on. There's another here. one. That's that's another one there. Um This my giant fruit and vegetables I can feed the world. It is the end of world hunger. <laughs> I love that. He is mad scientist evilly solved world hunger. <laughs> <laughs> Chuck takes a bite of a carrot and he goes, Yeah, you'll cure world hunger, alright. People eat this, they'll die of food poisoning. The trouble with you, Chuck, is you always look on the black side. <laughs> And look at the pose Nigel's drawing. Look at that. I was going to say, look at the action yeah. pose he's That's in. Amazing, he's yeah. Right, and then the way Chuck's head is retreating into his bandages <laughs> yeah. as the professor gets right up in his face. That now that that is how you punch up a dialogue panel. That is yes. And then it's just <laughs> Edward G. Robinson bits. And then the gangsters invade the castle. Okay, use mugs up against the wall with your hands in the air. <laughs> nah, yeah, you heard Rocky up against your hands with your wall in the. Uh, hang on. Uh, get your bugs in the air and... Shut it, Moose. Okay, we're going to be staying with you clowns till the heat dies down, sir. <laughs> he actually says... He says... Sir. Sir. At the end of <laughs> And then Igor recognises the, the birds as the famous priceless Maltese budgies. Maltese budgies. There's four of them. Aristotle, yep. Socrates... Yeah. Archimedes and Pythagoras. And the fact that I sat puzzling over this and going, hmm, I wonder if that's anything to do with the Maltese Falcon. Like an idiot. Like a dummy, stupid idiot, stink face creep. <laughs> <laughs> 
that the budgies but well you're i mean your attention is pulled away by the fact that the budgies talk nonsense yeah kind of a sixth thing that's, that's going on thing. here because that's not because these parrots he's thinking of yeah that's not budgies budgies don't say phrases yeah <laughs> do they they just tweet don't they budgies yeah i think they just tweet right yeah wrong budgies do speak but they're saying things like, You'll never get this stain out of that, mother. Not the mango again. Try the blue one. That's the wrong way, Mr. Turpentine. Yeah, so it's just silly, random nonsense. And as you can tell from what I just said there, my interpretation of that was that it's like parrots saying phrases that they've... Yeah. But then later, there's a sort of callback to that that it might actually have been to do with turtles. <laughs> but we'll get there in a minute, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Igor recognizes him. That's right, smart guy. <laughs> yeah, so they're hiding out there. Then there's a rumbling noise, and the prof yeah. goes, Oh, I left mine turnip simmering. <laughs> oh, no, goes Chuck. Huh, so your veg is going to be a bit mushy. So what? <laughs> and then a big um, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. avalanche of turnips. Yeah, I guess. It's not very clear, to be honest, what's happening in that button. No. <laughs> a load of oranges. Uh, are there <laughs> on him? Great little caricature face in that panel. I oh have yeah, to say that. all curves and angles. Yeah. Do you know this strip? I was as I was reading this strip, I was fairly baffled. But you taking me through it with the voices, I was made it funnier and funnier and funnier <laughs> as it goes on. I love this now. It is a very strange one, isn't it? Yeah. I am starting to wonder about Decap Attack at this point. Oh, oh, oh. Well, it's taken you know, me until now. You know that <laughs> I like a, a full-on balls-out stupid Decap. So, you know, me enjoying the one that's just the dentist being violent. For yeah, the, the thing about that one was there's no story. Whereas <laughs> this one, there is a story. There's mm. probably a bit too much story. <laughs> and none of it has anything to do with anything else that's going on in it. I'm wondering if they have any ideas left for the Halloween monster strip anymore. Doesn't it make sense, now that Nigel has told us when we interviewed him, that the stories for Decap Attack were generated with two blokes having a laugh in the pub? And doesn't this remind you of when you and your friends at school would sit around and go, and then this, and then this, and just make up a load of silly nonsense and write it down? (laughs) Right, because what happens is they go in the kitchen with the turnip distraction. They get in the kitchen, the prof feeds them his vegetable growth formula, and it mutates them into teenage mutant ninja ninja budgies. budgies. They become big muscle men, and obviously they're all named after Greek philosophers and mathematicians. That was the guy against the Renaissance artists. And brilliantly, they're each holding a different thing you might find in that kitchen. Oh my god, I only just noticed it. As their signature weapon. One's got a frying pan, one's got a rolling pin, one's got a mop. That's not very kitcheny, but fair enough. Two rolling pins, in fact. Oh, Oh my god, it is. One's hidden like, behind the like, other one's like arm a bit. Two right. Like two sides. <laughs> or two katanas. One's got a mop and one's got a plunger. So not all kitchen things, but stuff you might find around the castle anyway. Yeah. Under the sink stuff. Yeah. And then they just beat them up and it stops. Well, they all use their signature weapons. So you yes. get, it's a six panel grid. Four of them is they each have a go with the weapons. Uh, the last one is <laughs> a guy who's had the two rolling pins shoved in his mouth getting smacked on the head with a mop by the other one. And looking, the spit of Boris Johnson. <laughs> Can't argue. <laughs> and then they do a, like, black and white final pose. Not yep. not directly mimicking the original cover of Turtles, but certainly evoking it. Yeah, And you see, you notice they all have their initials on their chest as well? Yes. 
Archimedes, Pythagoras, like the turtles had letters on their belts. Genuinely, I think that was when I figured it out, not the not the reveal of them. Yes, I think I think it was seeing the A on the on Archimedes's <laughs> chest in the second panel of the final page, where I was like, oh, <laughs> that that because Dave, hey, why would you? <laughs> why would you think that's what was going on here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, because because obviously the first thing I thought. No, no I'm re- I'm remembering now. Yes, uh-huh. the reason I didn't make the jump to turtles was because I thought they were doing that episode of Looney Tunes where Tweety drinks the formula and yes. turns into a big monster bird. Oh yeah, this was what was playing on the telly in the pub when they were making this <laughs> up. <laughs> and it wasn't until I saw the latter on his chest I was like, oh, yeah, why? Two letters that aren't represented on the chests of any of these. <laughs> and then it ends with Igor just sitting outside the panel gutter, telling the audience, yes, it does, yeah. so the teenage Maltese budgies <laughs> went on to become famous crime fighters. They started a television series and became a range of posable action figures. And nobody ever understood a word they said. See? Cause, so, yeah. so that, now I wonder if that's what the random sentences were about. Because turtles talked in a surfer way that was unusual. To parents. To parents, yeah. We, we understood it. <laughs> yes. But did we understand it because of turtles? Or did we already understand it? That's difficult to remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter, we understood it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what... Why is why is it two things? <laughs> At least two things. Why is it a gangster story and a turtle story? Oh, I don't know. And no, the <laughs> turtles cartoon was no stranger to randomly doing episodes where the sure. baddies were just gangsters oh, who sure. did Edward G. Robinson voices. Yeah. But I don't think this doesn't strike me as the sort of comic written by someone who knows much about turtles. No, God, no. I was just making the point. I wasn't. Yes. I never even would dream of a play. <laughs> yeah. But it starts out being a Looney Tunes, Rocky and Muggsy yeah. gangster thing. And yeah. it's not until the final panel of the second to last page that it suddenly turns into a turtle thing. Not without a little setup, to be fair. Yeah, I do. I do like the freedom that Decap Attack has yes. to not make sense. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like it's not making sense more often <laughs> lately than than it used to not make sense. <laughs> I understood it whenever they got on the train, and then jokes <laughs> yeah. followed about how they were just on a train, and, and, and yeah. sometimes you meet undesirable people on a train, yeah. or when they went to hell. And the demons of hell were all rather foppish. Hmm. But why any of this? <laughs> why? I don't, I, don't I don't know. But it made me giggle. There were laughs to be had, no doubt. You can always make me giggle by having a load of absolute chaos going on. And then <laughs> and then just a member of the cast turning directly to the camera and going, And so... Wasn't that a load of old bollocks? <laughs> <laughs> well, no decap next issue. Next issue, it's that... So- well, they're calling it a Sonic's World here. I thought it would be a double Sonic, but they're calling it a Sonic's World here. It's raining bananas! Oh, well, there we are. Gonna fill the silly slot. Yeah. Graphic Zone! Outer Space Zone! Hey! It's a graphic zone all about astronauts and that. Uh... Yes, much like last issue's graphic zone, as I recall, one mm-hmm. uh, without any embellishment or um, 
manipulation. Mm. I saw one potential manipulation. I think we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, yes. but we'll come to it. Yes. Stephen Coffles from Romford in Essex kicks us off with uh, robot. Well, this is really robotnik strapped to a, a firework. Yes, but it does say rocket on the side, so it's okay. I'm alive. It's not. That's They've not. They've used the it for space. It says yes. rocket. It is a rocket. That's fine. We'll give them that. I suppose it's no more or less dubious than many we've seen in the past. Indeed. But I'm willing to be lenient to it. And they've probably got that idea from uh, Toy Story, haven't they? Um, maybe. Someone strapped to a firework. It's not copied. No, no. It's quite a nice drawing of Robotnik, actually. It is. It's a little super deformed Robotnik. It is. He's mostly head, yeah. but uh, that's because he's tied. You know, his entire body is tied up with rope. So they've drawn the head, then some rope with hands coming out of it. And at that point, you just kind of go, "Listen, I'm not. I'm not going to draw a, a to scale amount of rope. <laughs> I'm going to stop there." Uh, Luke Bars from Cambridge has drawn Sonic as an astronaut. Yeah, and this is where my potential manipulation is because yeah, he's got a little rectangle on the front of his spacesuit. And it's for some reason that I can't figure out. It says Sonic Broom on that yeah. sticker. And it's done in a font. It's printed in a font, making me think that could be the editors who've replaced something there, but I don't know. Well, hold on and I'll show you. Oh, ooh. Chris is off to get a prop. What's this going to be? You have this to hand. Uh, well, it's easy to have it to hand when it's the cover of last year's Halloween issue. Oh! Oh! Here comes the little man! Yes, you're right! <laughs> That's just how that advert started, and I happened to make the same noise. <laughs> That's staying in. That's staying in. <laughs> I like to believe that that's how you're going to react to when you're presented with shocking new information. You go, Here comes the lilt man. Would you get a look at that? Wow. Yes, last year's uh, Halloween yeah, issue is. number 89 featured Sonic riding on a broom on the cover and it said Sonic Broom. It did, in that very font and against yes. that colour orange. So... So that makes me think, cut out of the cover? Yeah, but... But that would imply this is an absolutely colossal drawing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly, that's why I don't think it is. I think this is editorial. Looking at it, you can just see the remnants of a grey, you know, normally coloured in by a child sticker around it. And in fact, they've even compensated by doing some, like, orange colouring outside the line scribbles to make yeah. it look like a child did it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's... In a font? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I, I won't rule out the idea that it's been cut out and maybe just drawn on an A3 piece well, it of would paper, have to be it would have to be a gigantic no, you drawing. You couldn't have coloured that. Yeah, you couldn't no. have coloured that all in, could you? And if you had, it would look weird. It would look like it was... Co you you know, the, the pen strokes would look small. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, you can tell the scale of it by the pen strokes, yeah. So I think they've done that. Now, why? Why have they covered up it says USA under it in an actual mm. child's writing. So what would that have originally been? Like NASA? Is there a reason to cover up the NASA logo? I, 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 I cannot begin to no. speculate. And I think that I think that way lies madness. Okay, well, let me just go a little deeper into madness. Why have they, why have they the child or the editorial team, picked Sonic Broom? This is uh, not yeah. anything to do with the picture. I know. I can't, it's unfathomable. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Here's the solution, right? If I'm editorial, right? Sega, but put dots to make it look like NASA. Done. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's... Done. More credit Dunzo. than I think. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Stephanie Timms down below has kept it much simpler. It's Sonic and Tails in a rocket. I love this, yeah. Sonic and Tails in a rocket with a big, a very classical looking rocket with Sonic in space written on the side of the rocket. Yeah. And Sonic's shoes on it, like uh, just those little logos. Little logo. It's a big transparent cone on the rocket, and you can see Sonic and Tails inside giving big thumbs up to the camera as Dr. Robotnik flies past in his egomatic in the background. Yeah, and just something about the fact that they're drawn by a child with these pens. It really gives this kind of impression of I don't know what am I thinking of like Hello Kitty or something. There's something there's something chibi anime about this. Yeah. A, I feel like the, the, there is a non-zero chance that a Sonic game could come out with this aesthetic <laughs> or product of some kind. It's sweet. I like the way how on Robotnik. Well, it's true of Tails too. Sort of. It's the way that the black pen has been used to pick out details. Yes. Yeah, but not obsessively mark out every detail. Not just outline pick everything. Out no, select details. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything. A lot of it is Sonic is drawn just in blue. Without you know, if there's an outline at all, it's blue. But there may not even be one. Mm. Same with tails and orange. I guess it's the. I guess it's no. It's not even the white bits because on Robotnik it's his head and mustache. Yeah, you can see that. That's the bit where it jumps out. What his eyes, I, the curve of his head, the mustache. It's. On the tip of my brain, I'm thinking of something that's drawn like this that I keep seeing. It's okay. it's deliberate artistic choices have been made here, and it's good. Well done, Stephanie Timms, who may indeed be the artist I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Katarina Countess from Limassol in Whoa! Cyprus has sent in uh, Amy as an astronaut. Oh, Countess. I thought it was Countess when you said that. Then. Countess. Katarina Countess. But yeah, it's Countess. Countess. Has sent in this picture of Amy as a spaceman. Yeah. Space person. With twin-like spotlights on a, a blue one and a yellow one. I did have to say, I did wonder a little bit if the hard black outline of mm. this classic like retro sci-fi 50s bubble space helmet yep. could have been an editorial edition. There's something like, about it that made me wonder the same thing. Yeah, like the, the blue could just have been a spotlight behind her. Is this actually um, a glam rock yeah. Amy on stage? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's just she's cuz otherwise she's just wearing a black suit with stars on. Yeah. And they and, and there was just a spotlight there. Wait. They no, she's them. not. No, she's not. Look at her top. Words have been scribbled over. Oh. Oh, you're right. Something aura for Sonic. Something aura for Sonic was once written in uh, like either orange or red or something, and has been scribbled over and colored over in black. Okay, that's editorial. Well, because I did think that those uh, (laughs) light gleams on the helmet looked a bit tipexy. Yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, they so. Oh my God, we found one. We found one. We found a kiss. Boomer and McFeely on the kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Detective agency. So what is it then? Because there's also like loads of patches of color all over whatever the suit originally was. Yeah, it looks like there are multiple spots of color maybe on her arms. Hooray! Hooray for Sonic! It is. You're right. That's what it says. Hooray for Sonic! Yes, I can see the Y. I can't make out the H or the O, but the Y is there. Yes. The Y is is on the shoulder. It goes as far as up the arm, which is why we weren't looking there. Hooray for Sonic is what it says. Why would you color over that? What? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with space, does it? No, but it. But like it. Yeah, okay. I guess my question is, why are they trying to make this about space? Fit in with uh, the this- theme. Well, we didn't. We called this one wrong at the top of the section. <laughs> we? Well, that just shows we're fallible. Yes. 
Because that blue circle, that's yeah. part of the original art. Yeah. Because you can see the weird overlap with the yellow beam there. So the white background is what they've affected. They haven't coloured in the blue. Uh, no, no, I, I was thinking that uh, the white background was there too. I think oh. I was thinking that Katarina has simply coloured like a blue spotlight behind Amy. Oh. Editorial has chosen to ring it in black oh. to make it look like it's a helmet. Right. Okay, so look, so my question is, at this point, just draw a whole Sonic Spaceman. Like, when you're putting this much effort into defacing another child... a lot child, of work went into this yeah, one, yeah. Just draw one yourself and say a child did it. Or don't. Just put flipping Deborah Tate. <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> Little Deborah Tate. <laughs> <sighs> but the rest of them are straightforward. Yeah, uh, we think. <laughs> Join us as we check. <laughs> Uh, Mark Walker from Mansfield in Nottinghamshire has drawn another one simply labelled Sonic in Space. This is lovely. Yeah, this is Sonic in a, in a again, a, a retro 50s bubble-helmeted, like, yeah. puffy space suit. Yeah. Uh, on the surface of a green moon where he's planted a flag with him doing a spin dash on it in a crater. That's lovely. And he's got a nice little space rocket in the background. And he's got, and his helmet has got spikes, spikes shaped in it, into yeah. it, as does his suit. It's quite a good drawing, this. We've got one from Geraint Jones in Pontypool, Gwent, Wales. Sonic the Astro Hedgehog. Again. So imagine that previous picture we just yeah. described. Yep. Uh, that again. Yep. Um, except this time the suit is a bit more white. Yep. Like a modern space suit might be. And the moon is grey. Yes, and it's got that Mobius in the background that we've had yes, a sticker on. The uh, from the tattoos, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. The tattoo. Yes. With the um, checkerboard... Checkerboard loop. Planetary ring. Saturn ring going around it. Yeah, yes, yeah, you yeah. Do have, Sorry, you can't just say checkerboard loop, can you? That implies... <laughs> yes. Planetary ring and checkerboard. Got loads on it. How did that not become more of a thing? I know. Like, that. that's so... <laughs> right. Obviously, yeah. that's what Sonic's... <laughs> of course it is, yeah. ...from space. Yeah. Can't have everything, can you? Sonic suit here, um, I don't know if it's up to the purpose, really. It doesn't seem to have a front on it. His face is poking out, and his spikes are poking out. So <laughs> yeah. he's going to have trouble there. And then lastly, from Stephen Code from Keston and Kent. Do you remember those two pictures we just described before? What is that again? <laughs> but Tails is there this time, as well as Sonic. Yeah, and they've both got their helmets off this time, yeah. even though they're definitely on a space planet, because there's a crater right there. A, you know, like a moon or that sort of planet. Erupting with fire. Yeah, it's got lava coming out of it or something. One small step for Hedgehog, one giant leap for Hedgehog kind. Yes. He's captioned this one. He's captioned it. Stephen has captioned yes, it. Yes, that is an original own. artist caption. Indeed, the centerpiece yes. of the image. Yes, and uh, their, their space rocket is sodding right off, so they're <laughs> stuck on the planet with no helmets. Well, they've got helmets, they've just chosen not to wear them. They've just <laughs> obviously breathable atmosphere. It's all good. Yeah, there you go, they've just found out it's fine. Yeah. So, a lot of CME ones, and then some real mysteries. <laughs> diary I have a bad case of diary. 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 I have a bad Hello, welcome to the section of the podcast where we don't make you guess. We don't keep you wondering. We will just give you the full lowdown on what exactly it was like to be living at the time when this issue came out. No more inferences. No more suggestions. Here it actually is. No deviation, actual... repetition, or hesitation. <laughs> with the actual teenage diary of an eyewitness, me, writing in the two weeks this issue came out. It's a unique perspective. It must be yes. 
It's not what you might call universal, but it may give you some ideas of what's going on. And we begin on Wednesday, the 20th of August, 1997. What were we doing on Wednesday, the 20th of August, 1997? What was going on back then? Reading this, I should hope it was the 20th of August, the day this came out. That's what I would have been doing if I was still buying it, which I wasn't, so I don't know. Went to see Bean, the ultimate disaster movie. <laughs> hey. I don't remember. I don't think I saw Bean in the cinema. Uh, it, now, can you remember, because I genuinely can't, if it's at all watchable? Is it a bearable film, Bean, the ultimate disaster movie? I can't remember. It's been uh, too long since mm. I would have last seen it to say it, but I, I, I feel like it is. I mean, I feel like it suffers from a need to slightly Americanize yes. the format, by which I mean Peter McNichol has trouble with his family because mm. he works so hard mm, and mm, Mr. Mm. Bean comes in and ruins his life and then they all reconcile at the end. Yeah, but at least it was the funny little guy from Ghostbusters 2, which yeah, kind of like alleviated McNichol. some of the problem. Yeah. Peter McNichol's good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, my review from the time was, uh, my favourite thing about it was his character development. I thought it was cool the way we started to see it through his eyes towards the end and everyone else's at the same time. Yes, I remember that. There's a moment where he kind of, they play him for sympathy towards the end, don't they? Or no one understands him. He just wants to have friends and he's sad because he's such a up. Yes, I mean, th there's only so much sympathy you can have for Mr. Bean because mm. it's like, Stop doing that, then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> would be the answer to would be the solution to so many of Mr. Bean's problems yeah. if he would just stop it. Yeah, settle down a minute. Just stop and think. I mean, I viscerally remember feeling and sort of identifying with the bit where he he sneezes on the priceless painting and tries to wipe it off and wipes oh, some of the paint off and it gets worse Whistler's and it gets worse mother. and worse. Yeah. That's what happened. That's the story of the Bean movie. It kind of kicks off when he destroys the painting of Whistler's mother. And I that's the f no no that's not how the story kicks Isn't off. It? That's the final act of the Bean movies when he does that. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was the, oh okay. I thought it was the inciting incident. Yeah, that's that's the big. They have to get it all back together. Right is when they, he ruins the painting and then I can see myself doing every step of that. Also, I, th I feel like he saves the daughter from a coma at some point in the yes. final act of the film. As yes, well. but only by bumbling his way into... He's in a surgeon's outfit and people think he is, so he has to go along with it and he actually revives he, her by mistake. He uses the... Um, the clear... Bzz, what do you call things. it? The paddles. Yeah. No, come on, it's got a name. The Revivifiatron. Uh, nope, that's... Shut up. Give me a <laughs> second. Defibri defibrillator. Defibrillator. He accidentally uses the defibrillator on himself. That's right. And blasts himself across the hospital yeah. and crashes on top of her in a coma. And well, that just wakes her up. Yeah. Mr. Bean, eh? Mr. So, anyway, Bean. you could really identify with the destruction of priceless artwork. Just, I, I think I just identify with Mr. Bean. Like, a, a lot of what he. He has two modes, does Mr. Bean. One is he tries to do things and they go wrong a little bit and he keeps going and they go wrong and wrong and wrong. That's me all the time. And then the other one, it's not, not, it's not mine to judge whether or not I do this, because the other one is just like, he just acts so selfishly that it's funny. Those are the two things Mr. Bean does, and often the two things clash. Yes, I can identify with a lot of that. I feel like I must have done all of those things. Has anyone checked on the condition of Whistler's mother? <laughs> Thursday, the 21st, 11.48pm. I've had an idea. Using Dad's old record and my old video, I'll make this. I am the god of hellfire! And I bring you... Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. Bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. There you go. <laughs> a, little, a little piece of work there that I've come up with. <laughs> and what was the genesis of that idea? I think I just... 
had the idea. I don't know. You were a little ahead of your time, weren't you? You know, if you were a slightly different age yeah. and had got access to the internet at a slightly different yeah. time in your life, you'd be like the master of mm. YouTube poops. Yeah, that, yeah, that sort of thing. Or I would have a weird little actual radio or TV show of this sort of thing or something. You know? yeah. If you were a little bit older, yeah. if you were like part of the next generation. Friday the 22nd, 11.47pm. Last Friday of the Holes! Ah! Oh my god. Yeah, well. Feels like we only just started talking about I the know, holidays. I know, but we're at the end of it. That's been two months, well, that has. Flagged it up already at the start of the show, yeah. didn't we? So. Yeah, it's over. That's it. It's all over. I seriously doubt I'll do anything else this holiday outside this house. I have my English story to write. Mm. Yeah, I've got to write a story for English lesson. Rick came down. We did some taping. Right, so even here, even at the bare end of the even at the bare arse of the summer holidays <laughs> i've got my friends coming over i was so sociable I've, I've had what happened to you i well the thing what is what happened to us eh? in the last week i've had two evenings of hanging out with friends and it made and it made me release an episode of this late i can't do that i can't do socializing anymore i've got stuff to do <laughs> monday 11:36 p.m. i finished my english story this i remember this this actually I did well with this. I got, um, so we were all supposed to hand in a short story to English class for whatever reason. And mine did very well. I got this thing like, this was honestly the start of me thinking I could be a writer. My English teacher was like, this is the best short story anyone's ever handed in. And this was the English teacher who didn't like me and ripped the piss out of me all the time. <laughs> so she was like, what the f***? I didn't know this guy could do this. And it's probably the, the last time I've written something that's got that high praise. Like, yeah. I suppose, like, being employed again it counts as, like, if someone, if, if you write a script and they go, okay, yeah, we'll hire you a second time, that's probably higher praise. But, yeah, this is the highest praise I ever got for a piece of fiction I wrote. And it was just a, it was just a dream I had that I turned into a story, but I guess it, I did that well. And it was a story about, I've always wanted to revisit this, but it doesn't work as a piece of sci-fi. Because the concept was that, it, oh, hang on. It was something like, because there was a crime spree, the government made everyone go in and get a certain amount of weight added to their body. And then they turned down the gravity in the world. So instead, so the prisons were full. That was it. The prisons were full. And so they just added weight to everyone's body and turned the gravity down. So if you didn't have a criminal record... You're walking around like normal, because you're much heavier, but the gravity has been turned down. They've installed all these boxes everywhere. But the criminals all float off into space. The criminals float... Well, not into space, but they're floating in above, like, head height, so they can't really do any crimes. Can't do crimes in <laughs> space. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but then it all ended with... So a group of rebels or something hacked in... And the, and the, the POV character is someone who get, is one of these. Hacks into the system and are like, well, we're going to turn the gravity up really far so that you all get squashed mm. unless you meet our demands or something like this and then that, that it, it went wrong and they do that and everyone is just completely crushed and the end of it is that it turns out that the metal they used to add weight to people's bodies happened to protect the insides so unborn babies started to crawl out <laughs> and they had survived that's awful and they started to eat the squashed remains of their mothers <laughs> But anyway, that was that was that story. Wow, I thought you were maybe gonna go for some kind of a twist ending where like the the world was crushed down like into like the primordial soup or something, and it was actually the story of the civilization. But, oh, that's how it that started. Hours. Yeah, that's quite good. I didn't really write any stories for school. Not not once no, I was in big school, you know. No, this was weird. Did. It only happened once. Yeah. 
In primary school, I we did we did it all the time. Yeah, but constantly. I just, yeah, I just, I just reworked episodes Tiny Toons. <laughs> tiny Toons. I was going to say like Batman the animated series on X Men or something. No, Tiny Toons. Looney Tunes style gags about making cakes with cement and shit like that. Brilliant. That's just all I did. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's dead good. That is. I mean, that's what Nigel's done this episode of Decap Attack, isn't it? I do remember when we were doing environmental stuff in uh, yeah. P four. You know, the fourth year in primary school for those who don't operate to that system i guess i was um seven or eight i guess mm, yeah. we were doing the health and the mm-hmm. environment and stuff like that um and uh you know i have no idea what the remit was uh, but i drew a captain planet strip about <laughs> the dangers of smoking and anytime i ever saw that teacher for years uh well into my 30s they would bring it up <laughs> that became a there was a very memorable piece of work i created there wherein a captain planet villain just went around <laughs> puffing ciggies endlessly to really f*** the place up. <laughs> That's how they were doing pollution. It's like, foo, 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 foo. That's <laughs> how so they were doing pollution in that particular story. It was like, this guy is just... Love it. ...just going ham on the cigs. <laughs> well, I love that. That's great. Was that... Would that have been inspired by... Did, did the teacher smoke a lot? <laughs> no, no. I, I think it was just something we'd happened to learn in health and stuff recently. Well, I can tell you that my story about the weights and the gravity and stuff, I know exactly what that was inspired by. This might interest you, because that was exactly when, mysteriously, around the neighbourhood, around the area... All the gravity started to get higher. Yeah, no. (laughs) Went up these mysterious green boxes. These odd, thin, green boxes with a little sloped roof on them. I can see one out my window now. There's another one down there. They, They went up, they stayed up. I still don't know what they are, but the... Whenever you bring them up, people are like, oh, yeah, that's the digital. Or, oh, yeah, that's the fiber optics. Or, like, oh, that's the phone exchange. Don't know why they weren't already up in that case. But some technological increase happened, and they had to install these weird little thin green boxes just in... You'll see them next time you're out. They're everywhere. They're still everywhere now. No, I, I believe I know what you yeah, mean yeah, yeah. by the thin the, green, the green boxes. boxes. But, but just whenever you described it as that initially, I thought you meant like a small thin cardboard box somewhere. <laughs> but you mean a, you mean like a and it's got doors on. It's the got front little doors there. on the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, and there's circuitry in there that certain men can operate. Something to do with the electric. The electric, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went up. Then this was when that happened. Everybody. Oh, I don't. I don't remember a time before then. We thought it was cable TV they're installing or something like that, and. Maybe it was. Dunno. It was the infrastructure for something. I'm sure those were not that those must have just been added to your area at that time. I'm yeah. sure there were terrifying nineteen seventies public service announcements about not f***ing about with those. Well, we had the bigger ones, you know. You had the one where there's a sign outside and you don't go over there because there's coils. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The big outdoor transformer <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The one I always remember of those was... I thought... I, I would say it was one of those boxes, but I don't remember, honestly. Uh-huh. But it's just just some kid just gets a metal rod yeah. and just drives it into the ground and gets a big electric shock off it. Oh. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Don't do that, then. What is that? What is that? Something you think kids do? <laughs> what the hell? And to be fair, I mean, you couldn't know. <laughs> what do you mean? You, you couldn't know what a kid would do if you give a kid a big stick... They might just stick it in the ground. Yeah, that's what they might. That's but well, where'd they get a big metal rod from? I don't know. I don't remember that much about it, and I don't understand why sticking it in the ground would be a problem. Well, there was electric under the ground. You was see, there? They a big shock off. Is the that electric. how? Is that how it works? It's where the electric comes from, comes up out the ground. Yeah, I feel like it's those overhead wires. Is the electric? It's the way gravi- gravity comes down from the space. Yeah, and the electric <laughs> comes up from the ground. Yeah. We're gonna have to track down that film and figure out what was actually going on. I know there was one of those scare films about. 
climbing up a pylon like that. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. You yes, don't yes. do that. But sticking a rod in the ground—that's <laughs> so obscure. A that anyone would do it, and B that it would cause a problem if you did. I feel like I feel like I feel safe sticking a rod in the ground now. If there was ground, I could well, stick. Well, maybe you should. If there was ground, I could stick a rod in. So soft, so like some soil. I reckon I could stick a rod in that. <laughs> Be all right. That's the level of thinking that gets you, Mister B. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> look, if I ever do it, I'll wear gloves now. Now that I know this. There you go. Well, that's all they ask, isn't it? Yeah. Charlie says, always wear gloves when you stick iron rods in the ground. <laughs> Where'd they get iron rod from? I picked a conductive material, all right? I suppose this was... Oh, this would be the 70s. There was just metal rods lying around in those days anyway, wasn't there? Because everything was construction site. Yeah, they were still building the country back then, isn't it? Yeah, everybody lived on piles of rubble back in those days. Back in them days. That's bef- ju- just as it was transitioning from all being fields to, to when they were doing yeah. the building on the fields. Yeah, there was a brief period where it was all rubble. Um, right, move up, move on, move on for the love of God. <laughs> Oh, I suppose that was post-war, wasn't it, all that rubble? That's what I'm thinking of. That was bombed sites, wasn't it? I don't think it is. Well, anyway, yeah. But anyway, same day, Monday, the next thing that happens is very Sonic-based here, because here we have a missive that we are going to maybe rally against. I feel like I'm going to get some pushback from this from you, Oh, we, you and I? Yeah, I think think so. Oh, okay, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Because it's titled Sega Sonic. Oh, yeah, okay. One word, and it says... Realised how much Sega's version of the Sonic continuity rules over all others. Atrocious. Now, I do remember from a long time ago how you said, this is a very long time back, that Sega Sonic was how you, in the young Sonic internet, used to refer to the concept of the games. Yes. Yes. But what then... Does it say any more in there? What exactly is Sega Sonic's version of the story? It doesn't say much here. Because to me, at that age, there is no distinction between the Sega games and the version of the backstory as presented by STC. These are as one to me. I will elucidate on that uh, when I finish reading the next paragraph, because this is... All that I say is quite flimsy here. It says, Eggman! Just Eggman! Exclamation mark. That, That apparently is evidence of it being good. But... Thinking that's a better name? Well, you'd think that, wouldn't you? But then it all becomes clear. Eggman, but you have to be a genius to draw him right. Even the animators don't always get it. But when he is drawn oh. right, he is instantly perfect for the part. So I'm looking... You're talking about the art. I just mean aesthetically, yeah. I mean old Robotnik is what I mean. Yeah. I'm getting nostalgic because... STC has moved so many places on from where it started. Yeah. Um, the Sega Sonic characters are in ge- more on that word minute are ingeniously designed, developed everything. Shame there's no comic of them. I must read Sonic manga. <laughs> wow! Imagine if you had actually got the chance and you realized how even further yeah. afield that is. Like, Nikki the Hedgehog. Yeah. What if Sonic was the superhero alter ego of a little boy hedgehog? Yeah. yeah. So what's happening here? Yeah, is that I've gone on the internet and I am seeing the sort of stuff that's currently being passed around on that rat org that I've told you about before. Yes. It's the wallpapers and whatever. I don't know what the origin of them was, but the art that mm. came on the Sonic screensaver. So. A load of Sonic art has just been dumped onto the internet. Screensaver's just come out. It's got a lovely little animation of Sonic climbing out of his little Sonic 1 circle with wings thing and running about. Basically, what's happened is Sega's released a load of artwork and I like it. That's what's yeah. happened here. And it has sent me off on this spiral of thinking that there is this 
this original version of Sonic. There's an Ur-Sonic. Out of Japan. With Eggman, which is just my name for the way Robotnik used to be drawn. Oh, and by the way, by the way, it was not until Sonic Adventure that I would have called him Eggman. No, he was Mm -hmm. Dr. Eggman. Yes, we've had this this, this conversation has definitely been had on the show before. Quite possibly many years ago, but yes. It would have been many years ago. And I still stand by it. I think that's how it should be pronounced as a name. Dr. Eggman is in fact a good name for that design of Robotnik, and Eggman is not. Yeah, but but it's not his name, though. It's a nickname Sonic gave him. Well, now it is, yeah. That's why Sonic's not going to call him Eggman, is it? No, now it is, but that's what I mean. That was something they came up with in Sonic Adventure to explain the change of name. But then, that matter of pronunciation is simply not going to be a Japanese concern, is it? No, exactly. So Iguman. It's not exactly, but for this wonderful little period, I thought that in Japan his name is Doctor Eggman, and I wish it had been. That's lovely, <laughs> Doctor Stephen Eggman. Eggman, exactly, or Ivo, whatever. Doctor Ivan Eggman, <laughs> Doctor Julian Eggman. <laughs> Sega Sonic, though, so there was a little bit of discussion going on as we all sort of started tuning into this idea of, like, so there's Archie Sonic, and there's Mm -hmm. Japanese Sonic. Then there's the real Sonic. The reason why we wanted a name for the Japanese version of Sonic is that, you know how the Saturday morning cartoon by ABC Sonic the Hedgehog had been abbreviated to Sat-A-M? Well, there was also this... We were starting to want to discuss the original version of Sonic. And we wanted Mm -hmm. to say, like, the original Japanese... Because we're all weebs on the internet. Japanese Sonic. Like from the games. Yeah. People started to abbreviate Japanese Sonic in a way that was... Oh, yeah. Questionable. I got you. Yeah. And some people were like, no, no, let's not say that. That's rude. Let's say JP Sonic. Oh, gosh. Even back then. Oh, yeah. People were saying that, yeah. Yeah. But that didn't... That wasn't right. JP Sonic, it was... You could type it, but you couldn't say it. But to be fair, you can say it about as well as you can say Sat AM. Well, well, yeah. Which is still, 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 I have to stress. Just take a moment to stress here. The dumbest... Yeah. possibly have abbreviated the name of that show. Why didn't they call it ABC Sonic? That's, well, anyway. Sat AM Christ. And so we started to say Sega's Sonic. And at the same time, we were hearing about that arcade game, which had Sega Sonic written on, yes. on top of it. People now kind of call that Sega Sonic, as if that's mm-hmm. the name of the game. No, but to be no- fair, I think that I do remember you and I having this talk whenever that game was first mentioned in STC and thinking, mm. it's right there on the title screen, all one word. That's mm-hmm. that's the name yeah. of the flipping game. For some reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But back then we hadn't thought of that, and so we just thought it said, like, Sega Sonic printed for some reason without a space. Mm-hmm. And you know, you know the kind of kid little Dave is. You know the kind I'm of thing he I'm fairly intimately acquainted with him now at this yeah. point. And so it feels like I shouldn't, like, there may be stolen valor here, but, like, <laughs> I I remember deciding that the word for Sega's Japanese original Sonic, let's start calling it Sega Sonic. Now, I don't know that that persists to this day, but I do know that it persisted until about five years ago. I remember coining it. I won't go as far as to say that there'd never been a time on the internet before where anyone else had used the word for the same thing. That's it. And that was the de facto name for it on the internet for years and years and years and years and years after that. So if you've heard anyone saying Sega Sonic to refer to that, it might be because of me back then. I mean, I can't imagine in what context anybody would use it now, Mm. though. It's different, you know, you're talking about 25 years ago where... 
these things were each their own unique pillars. Mm-hmm. You had the British comic, you had the American comic, you had the Japanese games. But yeah. today... It's, it's unified now, more or less. There's Canon Sonic... And the other stuff that's not canon, as far as anybody's concerned, like, you know... Sonic Prime, Sonic Boom, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so this is the first appearance in the diary of of a word that I think I made up, and that all the Sonic fans said for a long time, so if you're one of them, you're welcome. Uh, (laughs) Tuesday, the 26th of August 97, 10.50pm, I write, The summer holiday, 1997, ends in about an hour and five minutes. Oh no. My internal clock is going weird. My mind crammed with thoughts of doom? I mean, the holidays are over, it's a Wednesday tomorrow, and apparently five people worldwide got a message from God that the world ends in October. Don't remember that one. (laughs) Don't know what that was all about. Drew a great Eggman here at the end of the world. Eggman. Eggman. You gotta pronounce it correctly for the time. Chapter two. School! And school is written with drippy horror slime and on fire, because it's so scary and horrible. Right, too. Wednesday the 27th, 10.47pm. School was... Yeah. Okay. This is the start of the school year that will end with the GCSEs. That's right. And that's all. I I won't burden you with the description of it, but I do go on to say that though school was... eh, Okay. The party after Miss Sonic's wedding to Ritz in the chat was the best party ever. Jesus so, Christ. We're not, we're not rid of him. Uh, Thursday the 28th, 10.46pm. Alessandro Sanasi rules. Hey! <laughs> Friend of the show. He's giving me the Sonic anime. Oh, yes, we've heard this story. Yeah, plus the Christmas special. So that's that weird that's Sonic That's the extra cartoon. episode of the cartoon that they made. Yeah. Yeah. Still never seen it. So he obviously didn't give me any. Plus the Christmas special and possibly Doomsday in return for Sonic stuff. Doomsday? Doomsday. Is that... I think that's the final two-parter of Sat AM. Oh, is it? The Doomsday Project is the final episode of Sat AM. So it's probably that, right? Oh, I bet that is it then. Anyway, plus... Plus, he's about to tell me... Nigel Kitching's email address. Oi! <laughs> that was nice. Time to get annoying. <laughs> and I did. Oh, I did. Sadly, we're not going to see that uh, in the diary zone, at least not this <laughs> fortnight. And finally, check this out. Sunday the 31st of August, 1997. Some listeners will know what's coming. God, today's been one hell of a day. Packed with stuff from start to finish. Let's see. Let's begin first thing in the morning. Princess Diana died. Oh my goodness, yes. I couldn't have put the date on it personally, but I knew we had to be coming up on it sometime soon. Yeah. Well, what it actually says is, Princess Diana, or whatever it is stroke was that she is these days, so maybe she had like a string of titles that we were supposed to say, but we just call her Princess Diana again after today, um, died this morning in a horrific car accident. She was with her boyfriend, bodyguard and driver who were doing over 80 miles an hour trying to escape freelance photographers on motorbikes when their car smashed into a wall and pillar. Actually interesting that they established all of that on day one, isn't it? Uh, Now it's unrecognisable as a car. Di was rushed to hospital, where she died. Found out all about Worms (laughs) 2. You know what? At least you put it in as number one. (laughs) Braid, the Dizzy fan I know, joined ICQ and he set up a Dizzy mailing list. And, And we end the diary zone on this sentence. Elaine gave me the front cover of End of Mobius comic issue one. It's cool. Whoa. 
friend of the show, actual friend of the show, who yes. actually is a friend of the show, Elaine Will. She, yeah, she drew a little comic, or she started to draw a little comic. It was a kid I knew on the internet when I was a kid on the internet who just started drawing an adaptation of End of Mobius as a comic. Hadn't seen her since then until she popped up suddenly out of nowhere and gave us the end of mobius pages just before we started covering it on the patreon and so uh we used it as the it's been the cover art the logo for the whole for thing and mobius all the way through she remains a comic artist today she's flipping brilliant and you should go over to cuckoosnestpress.com that's her website and that is where you can get the comic from it's an actual print comic it's called the last band on earth it's spooky and it's cool you should get all four issues of it. I have. I've read them. They're absolutely brilliant. You're honestly going to really love them. Especially if you like really good imaginative drawings of eldritch things. And really interesting things being done with panel layouts that you wouldn't necessarily expect. That is called The Last Band on Earth by Elaine M. Will. Because it's an actual print comic, obviously, we can't guarantee when she has and hasn't got stock in. But go and support her anyway. She'll have something for you. And you're going to like whatever it is. Dave supported her by getting her to do a new piece of art. That's right. To be the cover art for Secrets of Mobius. That's right. A little bit of brand synergy. Across time. How great is that? Like Isn't it? 25 years apart. Commissioned her to do that, and then I've bought all of the issues of her comic, and they're all really good. And I've been looking forward to plugging them on this. I wondered if this would come up, and it did. <laughs> so again, if you want that, you want to go to cuckoosnestpress.com and show a friend of the show some support. And you do want that. It's really good. Hey, quick drop-in, really quick, you can see I'm not even putting the music on this because I, I was just about to hit print on this episode and then I just found out that as of today, at time of recording, the first issue is free. Total coincidence, but it is, and you can go and you can read it now. At least you can at, at time of recording, obviously it might not still be true if you hear this in the far-flung future, but go, why not go and find out? What have you got to lose? It's at Elaine's Coffee Shop, you know, co-fee, co you know the one, uh, which is uh, co-fee.com slash Elaine M. Will, which is spelled E-L-A-I-N-E-M-W-I-L-L -L slash shop. Try it, go and read it, it's good. I reread it today, it's real good, go. Sonic's World, Amy and Techno. Spaced Out, Part 1. And Knuckles, <laughs> featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry series. Written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Bob Corona. Colours by Nigel Dobbin and letters by Tom Frame. Oh, he's Bob! He's Bob! He's Bob! Is he? He's Bob! Oh my... Oh, he is Bob. He's Bob. It finally happened. He's Bob. I was, I've was. i been spending this whole time wondering when it'll happen. Mind you, I always just read your credits in the notes. This is true, yeah. <laughs> Hang on, I'm going to go grab the last issue or two. We're okay! <laughs> After bumping into Johnny Lightfoot, who's been away for a while, Amy and Techno are reminded of their other absent friend, Short Fuse the Cybernick. Techno uses a holographic viewer to tune in on his location and find out what he's been up to. But it malfunctions and teleports the girls right into the middle of the alien war Shortfuse has been fighting since he left Mobius, where they're shocked to discover that Shorty is now on the side of the bad guys. 
<laughs> I liked how this one opened by acknowledging Johnny just hasn't been around for yeah. a while. Yeah. Amy and Techno have just been off having their own adventures. And I like that Stringer was just kind enough to sort of check in with Johnny. And it's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. Everyone's kind of realised there's not much going on with Johnny anymore. Porker's been shuttled off to have his happy ending. Yeah. And now that they're freedom havers and not freedom fighters... Mm-hmm. Johnny just sort of doesn't have a place anymore. No. He's not another body in the army, as it no. were. What he says he's been doing is that ever since everybody came back to Emerald Hill, he's been visiting his relatives. But, like, if you visit... Right. If you visit your relatives for an extended time with no... To obvious, be so long that people don't see you for weeks. What you've done is you've moved in with your relatives, haven't you? That, <laughs> like, what do you mean well, visit? Go, where are you going to go back to at the end of it? He's gone to... A lot of places. Yes, it's not just his mum and dad, yeah. Because you've been gone for a week, says Techno. Well, us rabbits have a lot of relatives. Yeah, uh, and there's a big crowd of them going, bye. Bye, Uncle Johnny. And yes, this mention of old friends makes Amy think of short fuse. Mm. We were never the best of buddies, she says, but I hope nothing bad's happened to That's him. That's nice, isn't it? But, yeah, just like, a, little, a little check-in and a reminder yeah. again that, you know, last time Amy really had any interaction with short fuse... They were biting each other's heads off, and he fucked off because she told him to knock it off. Yes, and the fact that that was kind of their last interaction, but she's thinking fondly of him. And she's thinking a really good drawing of him, isn't she? Yeah, it's a nice one. Look at those gleams off his armor. Yeah. Amy uh, in the combat trues again. A blue combat trues. And a blue shirt with a red star on it this time. So the combats had come in, then. This is combat time in the 90s. Yeah, well, it's not the first time we've seen him, but... Uh, I mean in the 90s. I mean in real life. The oh, in real life. In, yeah. Yes, definitely. I've, yes. I'll always remember it because it coincided with, or rather it was already in place, as we find out now, with when Pokemon came out. So me and all my friends, we all had a special Game Boy Color pocket right there in our trousers <laughs> that we could walk around at school with Game Boys in our pockets at all times. And nobody would ever know. For playing Pokemon on, yeah. A little point here that I thought was interesting was Amy wonders what's happened to him, so Techno, they go to Techno's workshop to use this machine of hers, and we finally see exactly (laughs) how you get in that bleeding workshop. (laughs) Oh yeah, because we saw him before, didn't we? Pull the handle on a tree, but then they were just just in it. We saw there's a doorway somewhere suddenly, and I used to think that the doorway was in the tree. Yeah. But now we see an actual porthole open in the yeah, ground a sort of circle of grass sinks down and there's a ladder that they just go down although i'm thinking to myself now this can't be the first time that scene because they were hanging out in the underground lab for a while before issue 100 you remember knuckles dropped by to visit and everything there must have been yeah. some shot of them coming out of the base to say hello to him at some point but i don't i feel like we would have noticed but i don't feel like we've ever seen them enter it like this no. properly uh, that must be it. It's probably it's even even you know going so far as to show the hidden lever in the tree, yeah. like in the original techno introductory strip so long ago. Mm. So that's nice. That's a lovely bit of continuity. Like it's that's, looking at it now from this end, I'm like, oh wow, how did they know that to put that continuity in? That's great. Of course, at the time, I'd have been like, yes, correct. That's the mm. continuity of the comic. But I, it actually now that I've now that I've worked in this field a little bit, I'm like, wow, how did you know? <laughs> <laughs> How did the writer who wrote it the first time know to write it again? Well, almost, yeah. Like, it was so many years ago. I mean, I think Stringer has, at this point, exhibited that he files this all away yeah. carefully and yeah. brings it back when needed, you know? He, yeah. yeah. The Looniverse is well-charted. <laughs> mm. He must be a man who likes a list himself. Yeah. Um, we get this funny bit where Johnny mistakes Techno's new widescreen television oh, it's lovely, <laughs> for the holographic viewer. That's not widescreen, though. I think you'll find that's 4 by 3 Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but what a great drawing, eh? Yeah. It's it's so... it's so I, I really want it. 
been, it's what I want technology to look like now that I'm in the future. You know, I, you like, want technology now in the future to look like yeah. technology looked like in the sixties when it, a single computer yes. took up an entire room. Yes, and that's what this is. It's a screen on a giant deep thought box. There's boxes round it everywhere. Speakers of all possible descriptions. Buttons that you have to go up and like hug with your entire body to turn the volume dial. It's very aspirational to me. You're sitting there saying, "I want technology to be like this," and then I'm just imagining Deep Thought replying, "Though I don't think you're going to like it." <laughs> <laughs> but the viewer in question is actually just a small dais. Just a small little platform with a console on it. Where with a laser pen pointing down onto it. Techno keys in the frequencies of the circuits in short fuses armor. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's a, a, some real Star Trek dialogue patterns here. Oh, because she invented it, didn't she? I forgot. Yeah, she, yeah, she, uh, she, well, no, she didn't invent the armor. She invented the, the metal. The metal it's made of. The mobranium. But she did rework him, so she knows what to look for. Yeah. Megatal. That's the name it. of the metal. She set it to short fuse, and it's found it. Yes. Well, it's the Star Trek uh, dialogue method. If I key in the frequencies of the circuits and short fuses armor, and Amy goes, but like tuning in a TV channel, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> it's a complicated technobabble explanation. Real world metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> and a hologram of short fuse fades into view on this little circular platform. But Amy notices he's got something stuck on his armor. It's a nice way of doing holograms. It's see-through white. And there's it's, all it's, bubbles around it. Yes, it's like he's made of ectoplasm, like yeah. one of those jellified Wonder Boy yeah, dinosaur yeah, ghosts yeah. from back when, yeah. <laughs> but is he a shredhead? Or is he a shredless wonder? <laughs> That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Oh, he strikes me as a shredhead. I think he's a shredless wonder, but he's got a shredhead stuck to his front. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like he seems like the kind of guy who would specifically eat shredded marmalade in order to have the chance to complain about it. <laughs> I was going to ask what you based that on. <laughs> you know, Shorty, he's just likes yeah. being angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be good on this podcast, wouldn't he, whinging about the, the past? <laughs> State of the way they draw sonic spikes now. Don't even get me started. And then, yes, this holographic viewer malfunction zaps them both and they're transported away to another dimension. And Uh-oh. then Amy goes, and I didn't even have time to pack a toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> and then Johnny's out of the story again. <laughs> yeah, why was he even here at all? Bye, was, Johnny. And I, I, but I, I don't mean that in a bad way. What I mean yeah. is, it was nice that Lou Stringer felt like we should just have a little check-in with Johnny. Just just yeah. remind us what he's up to and how he's enjoying free Mobius. It's almost like he wanted them to remember Short Fuse, and then he thought, be a bit harsh if they don't also remember Johnny. Let's throw him a yeah, where's Johnny these days? <laughs> yeah. I didn't really think about it until right now, of course, but Johnny hasn't had the chance to see his friends and relations for years. They've all been up on the uh, floating island. Yeah, yeah. Or in robots. Or that. Look at this lovely panel. Oh my god, I know. We cut... This is... Yes. We cut to space. And what we've got here is Bob Corona and Nigel Dobbin. That, yeah. Drawing a picture of space. Hell yeah. The team-up is... Oh, Dobbin's colouring has just... Ooh, picked out the lines and on Corona's line work. It's great across the board. Like... Mm. Dobbin's colouring on Corona's art works really, really well. But then they just give us this beauty and just like, here you go. I couldn't tell you exactly what it is, but there is something just about this. There's a. Mm. You really feel like you could reach out and touch that ship. Yeah. There's a real, like, subtle shadow and shading to it. A mixture of subtle shading and, and mm-hmm. hard shading that really brings out, like, the three dimensionality yeah. of it. Look at the texture on space. I don't even know how he's achieved that. I know. The texture on space. I mean, it must be loads of spray cans, isn't it? It must be. 
Gorgeous. Lovely bit of work. Yeah. It's not black, is the thing. It's fading between yes, shades of purple and green and blue and all sorts. Well, no, those things. <laughs> yes, those. Those exact things, in fact. Uh, then they are uh, charged by warriors of the Insectra Empire. Oh. Now, we do... Because remember now, the last time we showed Short Fuse, a good couple of issues ago now, he disappeared through like a window in space yes. to join a bunch of doozers fighting a space war not seeing any doozers here though no but they do have the little round heads but they, these seem like these are the baddies I think. oh yeah they're sort of uh, they're like space ants aren't they these yes the ins- the insect yeah. empire the, the, the little doozer guys were not uninsect like yeah in the way the doozers are like insects you know i suppose so yeah are they is it, were they were they insects the doozers no but they were insect like i suppose so i just mean they were a little tiny little antenna didn't they doozers? i suppose they did did they yeah. i suppose yeah. But uh, because our girls are well cool, they kick all their asses. Yeah. Techno's just like, looks like bozos are the same all over there. And they leg it. Look at that panel there on the last page of Amy with her tongue out, really focused on running. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you mustn't you mustn't run with your tongue out. Never do that. Your oh, teeth are going to clack together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was wondering if these guys were the bad guys because... You know, it seems like there's potential for funny misunderstanding here because Mm. Short Fuse is a baddie. They run into Short Fuse and so the aliens say the Destroyer will take care of them. Mm. They run into Short Fuse and like, hey, Short Fuse, it's good to see you. They're sending the Destroyer after us. Do you know what that is? Can you take care of it? It's me, you fools. I am the Destroyer. Because clearly this gobbit that's on his chest that they drew attention to is controlling him in some way. And it's also made his armor a cool blue-black. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just lighting. Well, that's the question. That's what Mm. I'm wondering. Is it? Because he does a pee. He appears out from under a doorway. He does a pee. (laughs) (laughs) But then the other two panels are, are of him in dark, so... I don't know if it is just lighting or if it's yeah. given him evil colours because that's what happens. <laughs> Looks boss, anyway. <laughs> he does look great in evil colours. So I was wondering if there was like going to be some potential for a misunderstanding here, like where Short Fuse is the bad guy and these guys they've wandered into that they're fighting are actually the good guys. But they're not because they're the ones... That... Well, no, they just say the Destroyer will take know. care of them. Right, so they might be against the Destroyer. the Destroyer, yeah. There is room... A potential misunderstanding here. We simply don't know, do we? No, we shall we have don't. to read on next fortnight. So we didn't have to wait too long before Short Fuse came back. No, we didn't, and we won't have to wait too long to see more of this lovely artwork, will we? <laughs> next issue, Lost in Space. That film has not happened yet. That's not until next no. year. So that's Stringer here and making a reference to the old TV show that means nothing to people (laughs) sort of it was repeated I used to watch it I've literally never seen an episode of Lost in Space because I was going to say that that felt like the sort of thing that should have come in the same breath as Land of the Giants on uh, Sunday mornings on Channel 4 Sunday mornings that's right or Adam West Batman or something Uh, and I'm sure there are some other examples that aren't coming to mind but no I've I've never seen an episode of Lost in Space on uh, on British television well it's specifically not just in the same breath like in that slot on Sunday mornings or lunch times or whatever it was Channel 4 used to run Lost in Space and then they used to run Land of the Giants and then they used to run Lost in Space and they would alternate that is what it was I guess I just I, I never lined up with it we only know this dude because of the film <laughs> Go 
Little Survivor. And just before we get to the the letters page, which again still on the back of the pinup, there is one ad slipped in here on the inside back cover. I completely overlooked it. And just if you could it. even call it that. It's so slight, yeah. Uh, slight? I, I, I think you're mispronouncing the word there slightly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, what it is, it's, it's the... Ah, <laughs> uh, sometimes they write themselves, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> it's the second advert this issue for Buster. Yes. Good old Buster. But instead of having any comic characters anywhere, it's just a drawing of a finger with a bandage with blood on it and a nail through it and it says yeah. free gift joker's, joker's joke nail through the finger that's what that's uh, yeah. there you go you get i mean it. i had one of those i don't think i got it from buster but you know it's a plastic nail mm. with a curve in it so that it, and, the, and the curve goes over your finger so it, it looks as if the nail is going through your finger and then there's a bandage wrapped around to hide the curve so you just slide your finger through the bandage through the curve and it looks like there's a nail stabbed through your finger this joke being associated with the Buster character, Joker, whose entire conceit was that he did jokes. Yes. Not Joker. Not the Joker. Not the Joker. Don't think Joker. That's a bit different. Yeah. This was just a boy who did, who jokes. did jokes. Yeah. Tricks and stuff. That's with the next issue of Buster, issue 69 slash 97, oh. on sale Wednesday the 20th of August. An unusual one for it to be, isn't it? I don't really understand the numbering system there. No, because well, 97 obviously refers year. to the year. But they haven't put out 69 issues, issues of Buster that, this no. year. So I don't know what the scheme is. What a weird... No, that's very weird. But, oh well. Speedlines. Cool reception. This letter from Robert McKeon in prosperous County Kildare in the Republic of Ireland. As the comic is made up of great stories and brilliant artwork, I was delighted to discover that these contents were going to be printed entirely on recycled paper from issue 108. Guaranteed to make Dr. Robotnik blow his environmentally unfriendly big heed. <laughs> Incidentally, I hope you keep on printing the Tales stories because they're my favourite. Well, we flipping swat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He'd I done guess. the environment in school recently. Yeah. If he was genuinely excited about this news, like, he, he'll have made his Captain Planet comic strip recently. Like, yeah. he's right, but what a little teacher's oh, bet. Come on. Come on. <laughs> what a silver-tongued young Hume you are, Robert, says Megadroid. And for that, you get yourself a badge. Yes. Which is what made me realise, yes, the, the mystery prize didn't yes. last. I thought that was going to run for a while. No, yeah. one issue of a mystery prize, and no... Well, that was what they were still ordering the mystery they prize. They hadn't figured out what it was. was yeah. Yeah. Everything printed in spade lines wins an exclusive enamel, enamel badge. badge. What we now call a pin, because Americans do. Yes. <laughs> and Dave, I have to tell you... Huh? It's that time again. What do you mean? <laughs> no, no. This is the last new prize Speedlines will announce. Ah, uh, of course, of course, of course. This is the prize on Speedlines that will run into infinity to the very end. <laughs> infinity, which is when SDC ended. And we'll never know what it looked like. No, <laughs> that's the thing. There's Unless no picture. We don't ever some, get seen it or someone it. might get in touch. Maybe yes, that'd be nice. 
I would have thought it was probably one of those pieces of clip art, whether it was the running one or the head-on shot mm -hmm. that we've seen so many times or the stopping and screeching pose. Mm. Well, we have had at least two people, maybe more, write in with their letter from Megadroid um, oh, yes. and send that to show us. So We've definitely heard from people who yeah. get letters printed after now. Uh, have we? I'm sure we have, yeah. Oh, so okay, that means then. somebody out there knows what this badge looks like. Okay, so if you're... Please tell us. We would love to know, yeah. You don't have to present a photograph. I'm sure it'll be a piece of clip art or something that we already recognise. I wonder if it's that one... I'd that like a photo if you have it. That'd be lovely. I wonder if it was that one that you see sometimes that's like a circle of the sort of ring that Sonic was in in the title screen with the little studs in it and Sonic in there. I could imagine that, yeah. That you got with the crackers, a standard badge, but they did pins of them as well. It might be that. Anyway. But some of the other... Yes. Some of the other winners... Turn off. Dear Megadroid, I noticed that in most Sega games, the females are wearing hardly anything. Why? Not all gamers like me enjoy seeing half-nude images of women dancing about the screen. From Aaron Hayden, Malvin Worcester, Game Gear Mega Drive and Master System owner, Enamel Badge winner. Hopefully a very chaste Enamel Badge. Uh, Hopefully then, Sonic's not cutting about in the nuts in the badge. <laughs> well, I've got bad news for you. <laughs> He's always doing that. Uh, Megadroid here, I think, just simply giving voice to Debra its own unadorned thoughts. Absolutely, Aaron. If I had my way, all the Hume characters would be decked out in iron cladding, just like me. Alternatively, perhaps a few clothes designers should be hired. Mm -hmm. What games do we think he's thinking of there? Golden Axe, maybe? Oh, maybe. Well, maybe. I mean, that's old now. Well, you remember that fella's granddad liked Tyrus Flair very much. <laughs> from that one letter yeah. from a very long time ago. <laughs> well, what games were out by Sega in 1997 anyway? Yeah, I don't know, really. That's the thing. I suppose it'll be Japanese stuff at this point, Probably, won't it? It'll be yeah. anime games and stuff, but so I don't know what they were. Rusty Ruse. Megadroid, this is Dr. Oh, Robotnik, a ruler of Mobius, telling you that you are a mere rust bucket compared to my super troopers. It is useless to resist me, as I have Badnik strike forces surrounding your planet. Well, and the acknowledgement that they live on a different planet yeah. is kind of interesting. <laughs> However, I might consider going away if you make arrangements for me to star in my own a comic. I'd welcome that. More Dr. Robotnik strips. Ruthless dictator. Name and address not supplied. Enamel badge winner <laughs> sent that off to Dr. Robotnik. <laughs> well, not, not if he didn't get the name and address. No, no, apparently not. Well, they'll have either sent it to Flicky's Island or... The Draken Empire, I suppose. And Megadroid replies, Really, I'm surprised you would waste your time writing to her. What was it? A mere rust bucket? Yeah. I'm uh, I'm getting a bit fed up with these joke, jokey joke joke letters. <laughs> Give it a rest, uh, kids. I know you think you're clever, but... <laughs> you're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> of course, it's hard to have Dr. Robotnik strips now, anyway, now that he doesn't have a status quo. Now that you can't mm. do stories about the bloke in charge. Now that he's just living on an island. True, but you could get a quite funny one of him, you know, tr like like they did with Short Fuse, trying to get normal jobs and things you could do. <laughs> well, he's got his own thing going on now. He's yeah. holed up with the Dracons. Picture-wise, it's uh, sort of a case of uh, ASAB. <laughs> yes. There's a law enforcement theme going on here. Yeah, there is indeed. Uh, firstly here from uh, Michael Ross in Livingston, Scotland. It is literally just Sonic as a cop. That is 100% of what it is. He's Wearing the little brick cop hat. He's nude but for the hat and the belt. 
and the shoes, normal Sonic Obviously. shoes. Normally, those are kind of, he's, he's, Sonic is nude even when he's wearing his shoes. Yeah, and he's holding a pair of cuffs, and it says Sonic off the cuff at yeah. Tilda. I don't know what the Tilda's there for, but there it is. And the other picture is not the first time we've had Judge Sonic. No, it's not, is it? Which is to say Judge Dredd, uh, Dredd but, but, uh, but it's the first good one that I can remember, <laughs> where it's just Judge Dredd's body with Sonic's head on and some spines yeah. down the back, with such clearly delineated light shines all outlined with a black pen that he does yes. look um inflated like he's been blown up like a balloon he does doesn't he, he looks like a balloon they, and so many lovely little details he's got the little pauldron mounted judge dread mm-hmm. badge on that says sonic and he's got you know his belt design and it's all but the, and brilliantly done because the artist who is andrew postlethwaite from hollyhead anglesey wales has drawn it with you know a bigger felt tip than you would think would allow to do that level of detail but uh, he's done it but Chris, I believe you have something in our mailbag. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. Yes, I've got a little something that was sent in via Twitter here. This came from at anime on VHS UK on Twitter, which might clue you in to the nature of the content. I know you humans talked about this a long time ago, but I just found this newspaper report about manga video getting in trouble. Mm. And when he says a long time ago, he's referring to like somewhere in the mid-twenties, I believe this occurred. But Mm. let me read to you this little excerpt from the newspaper. (laughs) A video company has been wrapped for advertising a violent video cartoon in a comic for young children. The Advertising Standards Authority upheld six, count them, (laughs) six complaints against manga video of St. Peter's Road Hammersmith. The firm's advert for a science fiction video appeared in Sonic the Comic, whose readers are mainly under 14. I didn't know we were controversial. People wrote to the authority from Northern Ireland. One. Lancashire. Two. Staffordshire. Three. And the Republic of Ireland. Four. And their mums. Five, six. (laughs) (laughs) No, it'll probably the other two people are from uh, Ireland. You know, just a little bit of an extra little seasoning of Catholic shame. Yeah, that'll be it. To complain that the advert should have appeared in a magazine aimed at older readers. In their defense, Manga Video said that although the video had a 15 certificate, other films in the Giver series required parental guidance, PG, and were acceptable for younger readers. Yeah, but you didn't advertise other ones though, did you, mate? <laughs> the publishers of Sonic the Comic said they regretted that they had failed to check on the certification of the video. Yeah, they didn't care. So yes, that's back when we had the full page advert in like somewhere in the 20s it was. For the, you remember the UK's first yeah. video comic, yeah. the Giver. That was how they sold it to us. Yeah. The idea that there'd be a new video out every month with the Giver OVA. I was really excited. Never got it, but was excited. And I'm sure we commented at the time when uh-huh. we did that issue and saw that advert. The notion that it was being advertised in yeah. Sonic the Comic, a comic for little babies, yeah. little baby children, showing you the guy. I'm only 15 now. <laughs> Not now, like now in the STC. The Giver, like one of the seminal 
entries into the blood and tits genre of anime <laughs> that dominated the whole conversation about Japanese animation in the United Kingdom mm. on video at the time in the 90s. Yeah, but uh, STC was a different comic back then. It was for slightly older kids. I wouldn't say 15. <laughs> no, it's still pitched. Yeah, that's a bit much, but yeah. it does feed nicely into the point we are making earlier mm. on, doesn't it? Yeah. We'll leave it at that one letter for now, folks. So I think that brings us to the end of another issue. So let's flip over to the back cover, the good and right and correct place to have a next issue page. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to see it. For an immediately deflating bit of news, <laughs> next issue, D-Cup Attacks. Ah. It's a D-Cup Attack pinup, And the pinup is just the last panel of that D-Cup football strip. Yep. We're going to get a poster, a Mick McMahon poster, so not a bad thing inherently, no. but it's a poster of them having won a football cup. No, um, no, 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 no. It's a football of them celebrating that their team has won the football cup. It's a football of them celebrating that their team had won the football cup, uh, holding the cup aloft, and that's what it is. It's the last panel from that, and uh, yeah. perfectly good drawing. It's just unfortunate yeah. what it's of. But three new stories. Sonic, no future. Sonic's world is raining bananas. I, I don't have a lot of hope, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do, but I, I like the silly ones, though. <laughs> I yeah, wonder well, the time. <laughs> uh, Tails, channel hoppers. I mean, that's that's going to be a silly one, right? Yeah, that'll be getting sucked into the telly. And I got, I don't know, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting a silly one from Sonic, too. I think this could be a very, an all-silly issue next issue. Plus, Amy and Techno are still spaced out. Yeah, so there's the potential of some action. That's SDZ. What do you think No Future is? It's going to be a brave hog. Something to just fill a bit of space between now and the next time Kitching and Elson do something. Okay, well, we ended up pleasantly surprised by brave hog. Which is a harsh way of judging it, but it's where we are now. It always happened after the big epics pre-100, but I feel like it hasn't happened for a little while, and it's settling back in now in the post-100 era. That's STC 112 on sale Wednesday, the 3rd of September. Back to school, boys. Yeah. 1997, priced £1.25. And if you want to hear about it, you can find it. Most places good podcasts are available and direct from our website, stctp.zone. But wherever you get it from, do leave us a review. It all helps. You can follow the podcast on social media at Sonic Podcast on Twitter, and we're also on there individually. I am at Chris McFeely. And I am at Demon Tomato Dave. And you can find the show on speedlines.stctp.zone as well, should you so wish. And we're both on there individually on Mastodon as well, under the usual names on the STCTP server. Yeah. I'm on Blue Sky as well, yeah, under so my I... name as well, and I'm just waiting for the opportunity to get the invites in so I can get Dave on there with me. No need, we've, we've, we've oh, you got in there? squeaked in there ourselves, me and Abby both on there now, but we just haven't used it. Yes, it's good to have the accounts, I never use them until eventually it all goes up in flames. Until we're forced to. Yeah, Because who wants to post their stupid little ideas on more than one place? That would be admitting you think they're worth posting. <laughs> Speaking of getting access to people's <laughs> Stupid little ideas. <laughs> Good link. You can support the podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash STCTP, where a donation of any amount gets you access to a collection of our stupid little ideas. A collection of us! <laughs> <laughs> That's the second time you've done that this episode. <laughs> Just picking out arse and poo oh, and pee. What happens after three? Do I get a punishment? Beetlejuice appears <laughs> and hits you with a pipe. Shanks you with a pipe. Tails shows up and just... <laughs> <laughs> 
our silly little ideas, including our walkthroughs of the individual Martin Adams Sonic novels, and a blow-by-blow -blow account of Dave's multiple now at this point Sonic fanfictions from the time mm. the diary's own chronicles. Our opening theme tune is by Sonic the Comic, The Band. They're two people you've met in episode 100, and you can find them at sonicthecomic.bandcamp.com. That's who they are, but who are we? Who the heck are we? Who do we think we are, eh? Yeah. Well, I think we're Sonic the Comic, the podcast. And I reckon <laughs> we'll see you next time. Next time. <laughs> Now cut all that so they're not confused.